Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody, welcome to Talking Simpsons, the most exciting thing since Haley's Comet collided with the moon. I'm your host, fine feathered colleague Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and Nelson would hate how few scarves I wear. And who is our special guest in our L.A. recording studio today? Uh, what am I, Kreskin? <laughs> no, I'm Scott Gardner. Hey, guys, thanks hey. for having me. Hello, and today's episode is Bart the Mother. That was no accident. Shame on you, Nelson. Cram it, ma'am. Today's episode aired on September 27th, 1998, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh my god! Oh boy, Bobby! Brendan Fraser gets married to actress Afton Smith. The couple would divorce in 2007. Mark McGuire hits the 69th and 70th home runs of his season, setting a record that would be broken by Barry Bonds. And uh, those are the baseballs that were purchased by Todd McFarlane, creator spawn. And last, uh, it's a hard knock life for Jay-Z as his volume two album hits record stores. That's future Simpsons guest star, Mark McGuire. Oh, yeah. He's in the uh, way. He's in one of the few episodes written by George Meyer. It's all about Ritalin. Mm. Oh, yes. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. Focus yeah. in. Yeah. Focus oh. in, yeah. Bart's all hyped up, yeah. Mm. It's kind of a scary one. Like, I, I remember feeling freaked out by seeing Bart all, all wired up <laughs> like that. He was covered in tinfoil at some point. Yeah, you get yeah. a tinfoil hat. It drives you crazy taking focus in. Certainly not Ritalin. Mm. Focus in. and I prefer their uh, <laughs> Viagra parody, Jam It In. Whoa. It's the filthiest joke. I forgot that <laughs> yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. It's a, it'll come up in a few years, but Jam It In is a great name for a Viagra-style drug. <laughs> so you're on you're on the path right now to all of the Simpsons drugs. Yes, yeah. yes. That could well, be a listicle. <laughs> no one's written that yet. And uh, if you consider tobacco a, a drug mm, of yeah. some kind, yeah, yeah, you're heading to all of them. As the pharmaceutical industry grows, Simpsons We'll have to write more and more jokes about it. So <laughs> it'll be, uh, uh, yes, five episodes a year or about a different uh, but, topic. But yeah, all the guys who broke the records of home runs, it's just they all have asterisks by them. It was like his one was broken by Barry Bonds, who just, and he was competing with Sammy Sosa, and they all were just. Yeah. obviously on steroids. It was just so clear then. At the time, it was yeah. a real nationalist thing because Sammy Sosa was uh, born in Cuba. I believe so, yeah. And it yeah. was about the American versus the Cuban. <laughs> and uh, clearly the American one. But they were both incredibly jacked up on all kinds of uh, yeah, wasn't potions, he, he sports was also, potions. Sammy Sosa was also... Uh, uh, taking drugs. Correct? Oh yeah, he was. They were all indicted in that stuff. I mean, it was funny, especially at the same time because Mark McGuire got famous. I did know him. I don't care about baseball normally, but um, for two years of my childhood, I did care about baseball, and I really followed the Oakland A's because they had the Bash Brothers, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco. Oh, when you're from up there, oh sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and in '98, everybody knew then Jose Canseco was a giant steroid user, but people still were like, McGuire's just he's a hero. 
He's just the baseball hero. <laughs> well, did you like like me like not really care about baseball? But if you heard the names of the ones who were on that Simpsons episode, you kind of spiked. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, Steve Sachs. So for sure. Yeah. Big Steve Sachs fan. <laughs> to this um, day, those are the only baseball players I know. Yeah. 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 It gives you a nice little tour that covers a lot of teams. <laughs> you get Yankees. You get Mattingly. I don't know who was who exactly. <laughs> and yeah, Todd McFarlane, the creator of Spawn, he famously bought those baseballs for millions of dollars to have them and then they they went down in value like within a decade once Barry Bonds broke the record with like his 71st home run in a season. I thought he was a hockey guy but I believe he got out of hockey after that hockey player sued him for naming a pedophile <laughs> after him in Spawn. He did do that. Tony Twist. Like I just I just Tony. named a pedophile murderer after you. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Why you gotta sue? Uh, this all happened by the way folks. Look it up please. Yeah jeez I don't know any of this. Uh, Todd McFarlane he does love hockey as a Canadian does but I actually have interviewed him about how much he loves baseball it was at uh in my video game job because he made video game toys and so they were giving away assassin's creed toys at a san francisco giants game and so they're like hey come and interview todd mcfarland before the game so i said like oh you know you like working with ubisoft on this he's like oh yeah the the, their studios right down the from the park and so after a meeting i can just take in a game it's so fun (laughs) like he oh jeez he he loves him some baseball is that is he talk like is he like sort of a folksy dude for, uh, for him making oh, such just, dark stuff. I love that baseball, Henry. Jeez, uh, like, no, I'm trying to remember the quote that they always do in the Image Comics documentaries. But I'm, when my father worked for a company and he retired, they gave him a fucking watch. He, I, the, the Todd McFarlane is a really. You can see how he uh, he's an influential guy. You can see how he talked all the Image Comic guys into following him. Huh. He sounds like a Vermont mom or something. <laughs> 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 <That> voice. <laughs> Let's, let's talk about our special guest, Scott Gardner. Yes. Scott, you have, uh, frankly, too many credits, so I might miss some, but things oh, like uh, Funnier Die in Conan, sure. a creator of Moonbeam City, hey. one of my favorite things, Tiny Fuppets, oh, an amazing hey. YouTube oh, series. It's um, nice to, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like people know the things I've done, and I'm never sure... What's around the corner? But if it ends up being tiny puppets, I'm the happiest guy. <laughs> of course, but of course, you know, I'm just a. All I did was popularize tiny puppets in America because oh, it was made yes. by of por- Portuguese animator Arturo Lima. You helped um, localize tiny puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I sort of like I, I presented it uh, uh, in the way uh, uh, you know Spielberg presented Tiny Toons. <laughs> uh, uh, I just you know I just tried to gift uh, tiny puppets, which is a great Portuguese animated series, and in no way a ripoff of Muppet Babies. <laughs> anything they stole it from uh, oh i know yeah. my friend gary is gonna be very jealous of me because his last birthday party was a tiny fuppets theme party what? and he made little party favors <laughs> uh that said amigos on it with the tiny fuppets heads oh my god so please don't sue but there was a uh there was a party of this <laughs> yes. really that's insane it happened in portland believe it or not whoa okay well now i now i know where the uh, the molten core of fuppets uh, the kind of people who have a fuppets party that's Fubcon insane. 2020 right whoa. in portland oh that makes me so happy i uh, I'll, I'll deliver a special message if they do it again. My uh, wedding was vaguely Fuppet themed. I did a Fuppet voice in my uh, in my vows. Uh, I, <laughs> I did the voice of Kormit, uh, hey. and then I um, the the table settings were all every 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 uh, table was themed after a different Fuppet. And uh, if if if, <laughs> if you don't know this thing, it's mainly characters who are sort of similar to the Muppet Babies, but not all. They're really their own thing, legally distinct, um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, yes. Colors are changed, and that's uh, plenty. So you know, we had twenty or so tables at our wedding, so we. 
we had to really stretch who was a character in this because there aren't that many. <laughs> there is like a uh, there was a, a guy who's sort of like the Kool Aid Man, a Mister Fresh Juice. <laughs> I was going to ask about him know. if he was part of the wedding ceremony. He he was he wasn't part of it. If I'd had my druthers, I would have like had a suit made of him <laughs> and he would have performed it. But it, <laughs> that would would have been a lot of foam to buy. The, everyone was represented via the place settings, and it was fun seeing my friends understand what was going on and relatives wonder why why am i at a table that's themed after uh, m&ms but they say d instead you're at the d and d table what does that mean um but everybody enjoyed it at the end of the day i feel um uh, and yeah. uh, well and also your co-host on podcast the ride oh, one yeah. of my favorite podcasts oh thanks so much yeah much appreciated i do a podcast about uh, about theme parks and all the the wonderful world of theme park arcania that my co-hosts uh, mike carlson and jason sheridan I couldn't believe that I met other people in comedy who didn't just go to Disney World as a kid, but went to Disney World and learned every single name of every place. <laughs> and like, uh, uh, we have, we so 60% of our brains is useless theme park knowledge. And <laughs> now with a, with a podcast, we finally have somewhere to put it. That's how we feel on The Simpsons. So it's, it's your bird of a feather here. I, well, I love your Galaxy's Edge one was seriously useful to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, cause, oh, good, good. Uh, my husband and I, uh, he, he really, once he was seeing all these videos of Galaxy's Edge, he's like, we gotta go while they're still doing reservations. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Although it turns out now, maybe you didn't have to. Seemingly not. It's been oddly not crowded, because they've blocked out all the annual pass holders. Oh, ouch. For the, That's what's yeah. going on. It's wow. like, the, the hmm. people are just walking in there, because I think they were assuming that it would just be this flood of everybody who's got an annual pass. So every, most people are blocked out for the entire summer, so it's been really reasonable getting into all this new Star Wars wow. stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that being said, the reservations were a nice way to guarantee that you, uh, you you got some serious time in. My husband like did such an amazing job planning everything out. He's like, you go that way to the canteen line. I'm going this way to the lightsaber line. And right then we we'll meet up and we did it all. Like in our four hour period, we did everything we wanted to do. Like lightsabers, smugglers run, cantina with all the drinks. I, I've held one of those lightsabers and without the bulb, you could bludgeon a home invader to death with <laughs> yes, it. They, it is a, seriously a blunt instrument. It's 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 blunt uh, a friend of our show carly weisel who, who does a lot of reporting on theme park world was like on twitter saying it showed a picture of somebody with a double one with a darth maul style ah. that was much taller than him that taller than any door that this man could <laughs> hope to enter that day and she rightfully was like do we all feel okay about this a man having just a gigantic weighty staff walking around uh, <laughs> walking around disneyland i did feel like the biggest nerd in the world walking around with my shoulder holster tube mm-hmm. of a lightsaber through the rest of disneyland that was embarrassing but, but i just that's uh, a safe play that's what you're supposed to be doing that's true, it's a place yeah. where you can just be be your nerd self in recent news um, there was a brawl in toontown i don't know oh. if you saw yes. this on Twitter. You know, I did this morning. I'm glad I caught it yeah. before I came in. Yeah. That's so I was just thinking about the weapons, addition, like adding weapons to <laughs> the family's fighting now. Yeah. Uh-huh. If one had had a lightsaber and if one side of this fight had had lightsabers and the other hadn't, people <laughs> may have not survived this fight. There could have been fatalities, but I think yeah. Disney will gentrify Toontown now because it's uh, getting pretty rough <laughs> over getting, there. <laughs> well, they've closed a lot of it. I mean, it's really, with any area that you need to, that ends up getting gentrified, 
right? Like, what's this treehouse? Oh, there hasn't been a business in there for a low nine years. And it's the only part of Disneyland with a jail. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pretty yeah. sure, yeah. Very true, yes. Uh, Easily breakoutable. Those, yeah. The, the, the bars bend should you find yourself stuck in Toontown jail. A lot of recidivism but it's in like, Toontown. It's the countdown to the end of Toontown. It feels like Roger Rabbit just feels like impossible to still be there. I, though now I'm regretting mm-hmm. hearing you talk about your trip to the Japanese Ro- Roger Rabbit ride. Oh, you heard this. So yes. great. Oh, I need yeah. to hear that. You know, we did an episode about Roger Rabbit's cartoon spin, and I was a little, we were all a little harsh about it. It is not my my favorite ride at Disneyland, and I find the line to be sort of awful and kind of claustrophobic. Like, it's it's hard to skip. It's a very slow-loading ride, so you can end up stuck in this very, like, claustrophobic. It's like a dark, scary city. Like you said, like a run-down area <laughs> of town. That is what the line, and I recognize it's well-themed and everything, but it's just not a place I like to stand around for 45 minutes. And then the, I've had my problems with the ride. I feel like they've, like, dropped effects and there's things that they've stopped doing. But back in April, I went to Tokyo Disneyland. It rained really hard, thus getting rid of all of the sane people in the park, but it left <laughs> my wife and I, who were there, you know, for our once-in-a-lifetime, so we braved the rain, and we ended up in Toontown solo. It was eerie, because it's all the way in the back of the park, and everyone else was watching a fireworks show, so we're literally the only people in Toontown. <laughs> we made it back to Roger Rabbit, wondering... Is the, I've, I wonder if the ride's better here. It is so much better. We really? blasted through that line. I mean, it helped that nobody was there. But we got through the line. The uh, employees were cheering us on. Hooray! <laughs> go, go, go! Because <laughs> the employees in Tokyo Disneyland are so nice. It's the Tokyo niceness combined with the Disney niceness. It's a dangerous level of niceness. Mm. It's almost too nice. All the effects work. It spun one, like perfectly. Like It's precision steering like you'd never find in the one here. Mm-hmm. The, the dip was working like it has a dip gun that fires and then it like clears just in time for you to go past it the dip stops uh, running yeah. and that effect is work which hasn't worked in a decade in Disneyland <laughs> so true, I have yeah. much nicer things to say but right I, I called it one of my top five things of the trip was Roger wow. Rabbit's cartoon spin highly recommended in Tokyo in Disneyland it's a little they need to do some work on it <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Well, I guess, Scott, too, if, if we should get back to the subject of The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, I have more Roger Rabbit's cartoons. But, uh, it's, it's a cartoon, right? It's allowed. Yeah. I'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, as creator and writer and animation guy, like, I mean, The Simpsons must have been a big influence on you in, as a kid. Oh, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Watched it religiously as it aired. Watched it religiously as soon as it was syndicatable. When the DVDs came out, I devoured those commentaries. We were talking a little before we, we started recording, especially in, I ended up, I was in film school when the DVDs were starting to, at least when, or when the DVDs of like my favorite seasons mm. were coming out. So I'm analyzing films in actual classes and then I'm going <laughs> home and just, you know, like as fast as I can downing those commentaries. And I wonder if the commentaries were a better education than <laughs> film school and a lot less, you know, uh, thousands and thousands <laughs> of dollars cheaper. Um, uh, yeah, only like 40 bucks those DVD sets. So <laughs> so it's like throughout your showbiz experience, have you ever run into Simpsons talent or work with Simpsons talent before? As I was describing pairing Simpsons commentaries with film school, I, I had the memory of uh, David Merkin. Oh, great. Showrunner of what, five and six, mm-hmm. uh, seasons five and six. I really loved his commentaries. And, and then he came to speak at my 
film school, and there is a somewhat regrettable story where <laughs> I don't come out looking the best, where um, a girlfriend of mine was, like, I was on my way into this screening, and I was really, oh my god, I get to see a Simpsons guy talk. I think he went to my film school, to Loyola Marymount, so he mm. was a graduate, and I'm going to see this guy talk, and I'm going to get to ask him questions about the show, and, uh, and then, like, five minutes before... Uh, my girlfriend at the time called me super sick, just like like something, I don't know what's happening, blah, like she's like barfing <laughs> on the phone. I just knew it was going to be a big ordeal, and I knew that the screening was only going to be like 15 minutes or something, <laughs> so I shut off the phone, and I, ch- I chose seeing David Merkin speak over uh, helping my, my girlfriend at the time, and then when I got out of the screening, I called to ask how she was doing, and she had gone to the hospital. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. I seem like if people don't yeah. hey, if people do or don't know me, I sound like an asshole. Yeah. I mean, I did end up helping, and I but I was just I don't know. I really like The Simpsons, and I wanted to see this guy talk, and it was good. And I got a picture with him, and uh, oh, that's cool. That girlfriend is alive and thriving today, to and it all it all worked out. But uh, um, so if that doesn't tell you my level wow. of Simpsons fandom, no, that's uh, well, that's a gamble. You're like, well, she could. Do She's throwing up now in 15 minutes. Mm. No. Have, yeah. have I neglected a loved one for The Simpsons? Probably. I'm going to yeah. say probably. I can't think of anything. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if I'm the only person on this earth who, is, who has done such a thing. I wouldn't do uh, it with regularity, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I would do it today. I was young and dumb yeah. and uh, in love with The Simpsons, uh, which I remain, though. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Simpsons guy. Yeah. Did uh, I mean, did the lessons you learn on that those commentaries like help you any in your career of uh, content creation as <laughs> They would call it. I feel well. I feel like I mean, I I made a, an animated show for for Comedy Central called Moonbeam City, and I do. I mean, like I was thinking on the way over, like is the is there some way that it impacted? I mean, only in that like the Big Simpsons influence on me making an animated show was just like you can like cram jokes in everywhere. Don't forget mm. that every sign is a chance to get a joke, and you can get in jokes at the sound mix. Every level is a potential place to put in something, and I do feel like it helped to like those DVDs were great in terms of like. Here's a cut scene where, with the, the storyboard reels animated and figuring out, like, well, why would they have cut this? I guess that's funny, but it doesn't really drive the plot. And then mm. some scenes, well, that's just too funny to deny. They had to keep it in, even though it specifically, like, impedes the plot. <laughs> uh, um, so, so hearing these guys talk over the decisions they made and, like, seeing some of their work in progress and deciphering why that would have made it in or not, it, it de- definitely affected us. And every, you know, I, I just worked on another animated show and, like, they usually go long. Like, usually the, the, the problem seems to be getting the 28 minutes down to 22 mm. uh, or, or 21 or whatever it is rather than, like, building up. And I do remember, like, for sure in the room I was... Like, in rooms I've been and I've talked about how... Oh yeah, I know. Like the Simpsons had those tricks, right? They would do like, all right, if the episode's running short, we can do the really long couch sequence where mm-hmm. the, it opens up and there's the elephants dancing, oh, yeah. and like, <laughs> like, or like, oh, we're gonna like stop and loop the uh, sideshow Bob and the Rakes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to work with a guy, guy Joel Kuahara, who worked on the like the golden hmm. years of the Simpsons, who, were, who works at the Studio Bento Box, and oh, cool. uh, uh, who was like there for a lot of that stuff and was able to speak to like, oh yeah, here's why this would have happened, or you know what I got to ask him about was the. Um, this 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 thing was a it's a meme that's pretty popular that I love from Simpsons World, which is the uh, the dud thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, when the dud looks like Millhouse 
and Homer makes this bizarre, this weird, like almost lewd smile, <laughs> uh, uh, like he's like it's almost lascivious or something. And I just I was really happy to find out that the internet's also a little obsessed with you or the dud, yeah. uh, uh, or what's what's it actually called? What's uh, the moment I mean, of the? I think it's the dud, like the dud. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how people would refer to it. Yeah, the, okay, okay. the slow creeping smile on Homer. The the, the memesters paste onto other scenes from the show and like remix it. I I love. Oh those yes, ones yeah, too. yeah. They yeah. took that creepy smile and they put it on to Mr. Burns or Apu or other characters. Yeah. I was just so happy to, like, it was it was a thing my wife and I talked about for a long time, that weird smile, what is up with that? <laughs> and I got to ask Joel, who worked on the technical, uh, you know, the production side of it, and I said, like, is that is there any way that's some weird accident or, like, a board error or something? And he said, no way. That is, like, for sure, absolutely a decision mm. somebody made. It's got to be that smile. And it was nice <laughs> to hear, like, oh, yeah, that, that bizarre smile was really, like, thought about and crafted and uh, uh, chose. It. That's why it's so yeah. memorable. The memes really show what we as a people recognize as the weirdest moments or the most funny moments. It's just like if you see, let's say, Bart hitting Homer with the chair meme mm-hmm. or the any oh, of the sure. Steve Ham memes. What's the most recent meme phenomenon now? Well, I don't know what we're on now because I feel like... I saw Steve Ham's are coming back around again. I've okay. seen new Ham's. Super uh, Mario Maker. People yeah, have somehow... Yeah. I didn't like, click it. I'm a little like steamed ham fatigued. <laughs> uh, but but I yeah, there was some, some level was made based on it somehow. I'm not, I'm not and, sure. And right before that was Homer kicking the door open and warning about the boogeyman. That's that right, yeah. That was the most that, recent yeah. one. <laughs> I don't want to alarm you, but <laughs> yeah, that was oh, such a okay. good one. Yeah, there's uh, Twitter. The best part of Twitter is Simpsons memes of the remixing of jokes. And, it's a fun way to like reclaim <laughs> moments and yeah. recontextualize them. Yeah, and also the when you can see an anime or a wrestling fandom or some other weird yeah. niche fandom then also cross over into Simpsons world, I think it shows like it's such a uh, universe universal thing <laughs> if I can For talk sure. very heady about it I don't know that this is like a super memed moment but I'm, I'm sure it exists as a, a gif or a gif I still want to say gif but I know that's not right this is a gif show we're we in, say oh gif. camp yeah. gif oh, right okay. here yeah. oh, we're a pro gif place um, it's, <laughs> it's an Albany expression uh, <laughs> <laughs> we say gif but uh, my, my favorite animation moment maybe second to the bizarre the, the dud smile uh, is the Homer's head exploding when he finds out that Marge <laughs> again and that is a thing that I like I taped it off TV and stepped through it frame by frame just to like see how that like did, and, and I still will do it every once so like like my wife and I will like you want to just like frame by frame that because everyone is funnier than it's funny at its midpoint it's funny when it's about to burst it's funny that Marge is just looking like Oh no! Like <laughs> she's like sort of alarmed, but not really. Like uh, yeah. it's still like like a thing that would happen in their world. I think people, thanks to Frinkiac, can really appreciate mm-hmm, those yeah. moments even more than they could before. Mm-hmm. Like as it, it now it like made it easier for people who aren't just hitting pause on their tapes to to do it. Oh yeah. sure, yeah, yeah. That that for sure. I spent a lot of time like I better I I need to tape this and watch this moment frame by frame. And I was one of the people frame by framing the list of corrections that rock bottom yeah, made yeah. and the way, one of which is if you're reading this you have no life which for sure at 12 was was yeah, correct yeah. but uh, 
right. We were big tapers. We have uh, Henry often tells us tales of the tapes on this show when oh. sadly, he messes up I, a recording. I, yeah, sadly, and never learned to just tape the goddamn commercials, Henry. Uh, Are we I, running out of tales? Do I, we have some tales left? Uh, maybe a couple, but I, I will. I think by thirteen, I kind of yeah. stopped taping uh, uh, diligently. So yeah, oh, sure. I, I, wanna, I, was, I was twenty. I <laughs> it was time to go to college. I couldn't tape Simpsons anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at some point, taping became not the not the thing anyway. Yeah. And with, with the DVDs coming out for a separate podcast for the Clerks one, uh, we we did one for the Clerks anime series just recently. I was talking about it was the last time that I got to be the cool guy with my high school friends because I taped a thing nobody else saw that I could be like, I taped the Clerks episode, nobody else has it. Let's come to my place and watch it. Oh. Like that was like uh, 2000. Mm-hmm, yeah. And by the next year, it was just like, well, yeah, I'll just download it on Kazaa. Like I don't need to uh, watch your tape. Like it just oh, tapes. Sure. Tapes weren't as important anymore in the uh, the t- the trading community. It, it was the end. Then I guess so. But the, but there's certain things that like unless there is an initial tape, it, mm-hmm. it may be totally lost to the the sands of time. You know what's out there now that I it now it, there's many copies on YouTube. But for a time, it was really hard to find this thing that I've talked about on our podcast called Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain, which yes. is a, a, yeah. a, a half hour special with Ernest P. Worrell. That is the reason I was terrified of Splash Mountain my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> until I finally braved it recently uh, uh, and, and and actually actually conquered it. A uh, big deal for a 33 year old man to go on a on a ride that children go on. But it was th- this is just a sequence where he goes down the flume and then his hair goes back and forth like as if he's getting electrocuted. <laughs> and, and as a three year old, this was the scare. This was like a David Lynch film, and uh, <laughs> I needed to see this so badly. Like, does anyone in the world have a copy of Ernest Goes to Splash Mountain? Mm-hmm. And I. Found, I had to like buy a DVD of a guy who had dubbed it uh, and watched it. It was so lame. I never should have been afraid of it. But now there's many, <laughs> many copies on YouTube. Yeah. This stuff's cool. I'm glad everything's so available, but you do kind of miss mm-hmm. tape times and the like. The rarity of then that you like found a treasure by uh, finding this weird thing off a of tape. I I do appreciate on podcast the ride that you guys admit to being scared of thrill rides because that is <laughs> that was the thing. Now I am becoming a theme park enjoyer mm-hmm. but for the longest time i grew up in florida my uh-huh. family didn't want to go to the theme parks that much they just saw it as a waste of money but also that like uh when we go to like bush gardens i was like i don't like this it's just all roller coasters this is the all oh, roller sure. coaster place uh but well, that's now- why i've never been to magic mountain to this day yeah uh-huh. born and raised in los angeles and i've never set foot in magic <laughs> mountain that's insanity but it doesn't have what i like mm-hmm. i want immersive themes and fake rocks and i don't want coasters because I don't like them that much. Yeah. How about Space Mountain, though? Space Mountain's like, fine. Yeah, that, that's that, kind of like the height of my throw ride tolerance, but I love oh, Space Mountain. Oh, you too, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. That's Yes, that's that's fantastic. But I think like the next, yeah, then the step above that is a pretty big step. Yeah. I'm not even sure what it is. I wasn't doing uh, Incredicoaster slash California Screaming what it used to be until... This year, now Same I year. love it and I go all the time. Yeah, that's okay. uh, that's my new sort of peak uh, for thrill rides. But I went okay. to another park recently and things were like above Incredicoaster, and I was like, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm totally yeah. with you. Yeah, I see. I'm, I'm fellow wusses we're... in this room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Three wusses. It's nice to nice to be among. Yeah, and it's a confusion about our podcast. People are like, "Oh, so you must love like coasters," and we 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 don't. We're wimps. And I also I often find that there's not a lot to talk about with coasters because you can go like it's this high and goes mm. this fast. <laughs> and that's it. But 
if uh, you're done. But if you're if there's a ride with some bizarre character in it, some mm. IP that was intended <laughs> to be beloved and then it never took off, and the dummy is rotting in a dumpster somewhere, that's, that's, <laughs> now there's a ton to talk about. Um, so yeah, not a not a big coaster guy. Uh, but I guess this episode. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. transit. It's been a roller coaster ride. Uh, of, uh, I guess parts of mother now. Is that what's yeah. happening? Well, let's uh, say it's. Hey, look, it's fine. <laughs> Simpsons will be right back. Earwigs, ew. Hey, welcome to the break, everybody, for this week's episode of Talking Simpsons. And a big thank you to our guest, Scott Gardner, for doing the show on our most recent trip to Los Angeles, California. Scott is such a fun guy. We love his podcast, The Ride, and we love talking with him about the uh, this episode and the life and times of Phil Hartman. Please be sure to check out his podcast, Podcast The Ride, out there now. And if you're a fan of this podcast, especially me and Bob being able to go out to Hollywood, California to record with cool people in person. That's all thanks to the support at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Supporters there for $5 a month. They help us do this full time and take cool trips like this one all on our own dime. But you get so much for your support beyond just knowing we're making cool things. You get access to every episode of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon a week ahead of time and without ads like this one. If you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Plus, you You'll get access to dozens of exclusive to Patreon podcasts where me and Bob go through every episode of The Critic, go through the entire first season of Futurama and King of the Hill, all in the Talking Simpsons style. You can only hear those if you're a subscriber at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. So please consider heading over there today and signing up. Almost as good as a BB gun or an easy bake oven is our premium tier at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. You'll get all of the bonuses of the $5 a month reward, but for $10 a month, you'll also get access to our monthly What a Cartoon Movie Podcast, where me and Bob chat about a different animated feature film for up to four hours once a month. You'll get to hear this month's Beavis and Butthead Do America only if you're a subscriber. Plus, you'll get to hear all the previous ones we recorded over 20 four hours of exclusive film conversation podcasts about movies like Batman Mask of the Phantasm, Kiki's Delivery Service, Akira, a goofy movie, The Secret of Nim, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, and tons more. You get so much bang for your buck at the $10 and up premium level, so please consider upping your pledge or just signing up at that right now to hear all of the cool stuff at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Uh, it was good to have an excuse to, to rewatch this and revisit it, but yeah. I, I don't think yeah, I, it's no, not one of my favorite episodes mm. necessarily. I don't know if that's okay to say. No, that's <laughs> fine. That's there are a, a few yeah. uh, final appearances on this program. Uh, uh, so, yeah. well, number one, it's historically a very important episode. The yeah. the less sad final appearance is David S. Cohen's final yeah. episode as a writer, although. Uh. He would write a Halloween segment. Yeah, he's credited um, on yeah. a Halloween segment in ten, but he was he was done. He, he was, was out of there like this. Working and on he Futurama. was never heard from again. <laughs> no, um, well, because this is production season nine. Still, I think this is uh, it 22, is twenty yeah. two. So it's yeah. one of the last, or like close to the last. Yeah, 
Yeah. So he probably when it aired, he was probably long gone. Oh, but yeah. he wrote it while still while on the way out the door for future. Yeah. I think on production nine, he already was like in Futurama Town. Uh, it, w- it would be on the air like six months after this airing. So yeah. oh, uh, really? March of ninety nine, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I we, still we got to talk to Cohen someday. I want to know about that part about where he quit Futurama for before like for a part of the early production. That sounds like an interesting. She's like, there's story. more of a story there. Yeah. yeah. Is the because uh, there's this book that alludes to that and that w- when he was a Simpsons writer he was David S. Cohen and obviously yeah. on Futurama he's David X. Cohen and that X was like a way of uh, he was like a phoenix rising from the ash like I'm a <laughs> new man toughened by the horrible network development process <laughs> At least, I think that's what's alluded to in this one book and I'm curious mm. if that's true I thought it was just a guild thing but it could be both oh maybe yeah. Yeah. it could be a very boring answer <laughs> just like there are so many uh, Josh Weinsteins that are writing yeah. oh yeah so there's like uh, Josh Weinstein from the Simpsons and then because of that, uh, the Josh Weinstein from Mystery Science Theater is J. Elvis Weinstein. Oh, so uh, okay. you have to find your way to differentiate your name. And all these Joel Cohens. Joel Cohen. Yeah. There's many a Joel Cohen yeah. floating around. Very confusing. I'm not taking that low-hanging fruit on the jokes about lots of Cohens. And oh, yeah. Not doing it. <laughs> not, um, uh, but also, yes, it's the last appearance of Phil Hartman yes. on and the we're, show. We're too classy to play our death jingle. No, I'm not going to play. <laughs> it's funnier when it's of natural causes to play the jingle not so here not, it's, uh, Jesus Christ yeah. is it his first uh, posthumous appearance it is yeah. yes. and his only posthumous appearance yeah, yeah and only um, yeah. that's kind of why I was like when you guys gave me a couple to talk about that's why I was I was excited to talk this one not because like almost in a weird inverse way because I realized like even seeing when you sent me a list of here's what you want to do upcoming seeing the phrase Bart the mother gave me this weird dread mm. because I remember looking in the TV guide and which one's on tonight or seeing that phrase in Entertainment Weekly in a preview or whatever and go and knowing this is the last Hartman because mm. I I loved him so much mm-hmm. I'm not re- I, I don't think I'm the only person who would say that but I, I really like I'm such a mega Hartman fan growing up and like that episode starting and knowing like you're heading for the last time you'll yeah, see him was waiting was for such it. A, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, we lost, uh, you know, a great man, a great voice actor, a great sketch actor, but also because of the loss of Phil Hartman, you're losing Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz and you're losing certain kinds of scenes the show can do. Like the court scenes weren't as funny without Lionel Hutz and they sort of lost mm-hmm. the set piece yeah. of the educational film. Yeah. Like yeah. in, uh, in a handful of episodes after this one is Marge Simpson in Screaming Yellow Honkers and they have like, they make up a mean cop lady to host the video that's like about yeah. driving about road rage oh. and so because they wanted you could tell they were testing out like can we do this without Troy and the scene's not bad it's not like it's a bad scene but I think they did decide like no we just it's it's it doesn't work without I, Troy I think that like eventually Gil would be their lawyer for something yeah I the character so. Gil <laughs> yeah he didn't I, have the like the uh, the false confidence of a Lionel Hutz we talked about in realty by that it ends up being a unintentional torch passing from Lionel yeah. Hutz to Gill in that episode. Oh, sure. Yeah. Is that the last Lionel Hutz? Um, speaking role, I believe it is his last one. He, uh-huh. he appears at a bus stop in um, Lost Our Lisa, which is the second to last episode of Nine. Yeah, and we got a Patreon comment recently that said he does appear in A Tale of Two Springfields as somebody on the other side of the oh, yeah. one, one of the Springfields in season 12. So Honestly, uh. that feels like a total mistake. Like, they... Yeah. 
they really worked hard to take him out of character packs. Like they could have had non-speaking drawings of the characters in there, but they explicitly were like, we don't want to even show his characters anymore. Uh, well, and it, yeah, what a like bummer it would be to see them and not get to hear him speak. Yeah. Like, besides the characters being so funny, just like what a great voice, like the literal voice of <laughs> Phil Hartman is so pleasant to listen to. Mm-hmm. And whenever it appears in anything, it's, it's just like, there's just such a heavenly glow to it. Mm-hmm. I always forget about uh, Back to the Future that yeah, he's yeah, Mayor yeah. Goldie Wilson's campaign. He's just a like a random. He's oh, not a yeah. random, but he's a a van going by, <laughs> and like that's where it really becomes just an insane amount of overflow to me <laughs> in terms of him factoring into everything I loved as a child. Because I grew up like obsessed with Simpsons, obsessed with Saturday Night Live, obsessed with news radio once it came on. Mm-hmm. And then and realizing there's a common thread between all, this guy is in all of these and he's the funniest guy in all of them. And he's part of Pee Wee. Yes. yes. Yeah. And <laughs> Back to the Future really quick. And like my other favorite thing is as a kid. <laughs> and then like, and then weird spotty other that he's like the wait is that him in Dennis the Menace and uh, that's right voice acting way back in the 80s yeah and uh, co-writer of Pee Wee's Big Adventure and also Captain Carl on Pee Wee and part of the stage show as well yeah stage show which is so good that uh, that I yeah that's a DVD I made a point of buying a couple (laughs) years ago live at the Roxy so so good Um, that it's just it gets ridiculous he's not just in Pee Wee really quick he wrote the movie like one of the best comedies ever he's so he was so good at everything but he did it in such a way that like he was in the background he always like even though he was so funny all the time he was elevating everybody else around him when he did it in uh like you could just see it in every single snl sketch i think the book was like they called him the glue that he they put him in every sketch because like well he holds this all together for the you know the bigger guys like dana carvey or whatever in the in the scene sure sure, yeah. sure i get think there was in his in the book about him he seemed to have a chip on his shoulder for a while like he doesn't have the the breakout character and yeah. then literally the breakout characters start becoming movie star characters (laughs) and that that was that was weird for him but ultimately you look back and like i mean he's clearly regarded as one of the great i don't think there's i don't think you could do a list of the top five and not put him in the top five which is saying something because there's been so many great people since him but i think you'd have to believe i would have to put him in the in the top five no matter what so many sketches he would be the guy that is just perturbed by the one note sketch character (laughs) just the guy that like (laughs) spills his coffee or backs out of the room or it's confused about pets whatever like the matt foley sketch is one of the most celebrated sketches of all time and obviously it's the Chris Farley show like you love it it's like Chris Farley's so funny but him not breaking when everybody else is breaking yeah. makes it work so much better his like, performance yeah. is not breaking yeah and he does yeah, a great yeah. job you ever seen that moment when his last episode that he there's this sound of music tribute yeah where all the characters sing and the very last moment is him saying I can't think of a better way to say goodbye to my eight years on this program and then he holds Matt <laughs> Foley like a baby as yeah. it zooms out from a spot it's like and now, and now to that, him, yeah god and now that Chris Farley's passed it's like chilling to to watch mm. at this point but very but like bittersweet and emotional yeah there's one sketch and I forget what it's called Hunter you might know it is one of their only like serious sketches or it's just a very melancholy sketch where it's um Phil Hartman and Jan, Jan yeah. Hooks they're now both dead oh, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this oh, but it's about an old uh like Hollywood couple like dancing their way into the past and they're just 
waltzing together and yeah. staring into each other's eyes uh, and yeah it's bumps. it's yeah. like yeah. the only like non-funny sketch there's no joke to it there's no parody to it it's just like a very sincere sketch about like one it's filmed too yeah and filmed yeah and it shows you that they both could have been film stars in the yeah. 40s like uh oh especially phil hartman oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 just like good like you know handsome leader like good enough singer can do like can kind of do it all and he's got that 40s actor slickness <laughs> god damn yeah. I love phil hartman well so the much. phil hartman that the simpsons is like to be one of the funniest people on the simpsons who was their top recurring character that would be many people's claim to fame and for him it's like fourth or fifth down on the list of things he did like SNL news radio I'd put above that just because he was so sure. good I, I mean news radio is oh, so nobody great. watched that but it was really good <laughs> it was, yeah. he got to play an over the top character there and he was so great yeah 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 uh, yeah, yeah. yeah Bill but, McNeil yeah I know yeah that one holds up if you if you go yeah. back into it I was trying to think of like Okay, well, I was upset, like, probably the first comedian I was, like, truly, like, God, I love Phil Hartman when I was, like, (laughs) 10, 11, 12. And I was trying to to figure out why, like, why does he resonate more than anybody else? And I think, if if I could condense it, I think if you take, certainly his Simpsons characters, uh, Troy Troy McClure, Lionel Hutz, a lot of the uh, SNL ones on Frozen Caveman Lawyer, even his (laughs) portrayal of Clinton or Sinatra, I think the... The common thread of a lot of them is that they are full of shit. <laughs> that, that they are like a public figure who has this way they present themselves, but there's something clearly nefarious uh, <laughs> lurking on the inside. I think that as in the in that though that age, like middle school age, where you're like getting a little like cynical or skeptical, and where like a, a little dose of skepticism is good. I think I love Phil Hartman so much mm. because he's the guy who lets you know, wait a minute, are some of the public figures in this world yeah. or the people I see on TV full of shit? I think wow. it was a lot of yeah. like uh, boomers, like he was just kind of clowning on the corporate insincerity they grew up with, like <laughs> yeah, the educational sure. films that, you know, that uh, Troy McClure is making fun of, you uh-huh. know, like talk about how great America is or how great these products are, but they're being very insincere. They just had like the used car salesman grin all the time. Sure, sure. Yeah. And that like this man could be, that he's so just thirsty for a paycheck that he will be an yeah. empty vessel for whatever <laughs> horrible corporation wants to uh. shove their message through him. So it's like a fun way to present that point, uh, uh, which just hit me really hard as a kid. And also that Troy is such a salute to bad taste because he's in all these films that would be just shameful. Or like, these are bad movies. No one would want to remind people that you were in them. He he's proudly announces he's that. Like, yeah. <laughs> you may remember me from this. Like, no one wants to remember that. And when you get to that Fish Called Selma episode where you really like think about Troy McClure for a while, nobody's ever really said out loud, Troy McClure is bad. He's in <laughs> bad movies. He doesn't acknowledge that yeah, ever. Yeah. He doesn't like every film, every film strip is as good as the last. And <laughs> I, the, 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 that he is like a low rent guy. They, yeah. they kind of don't say out loud. <laughs> but it's so uh, The episode that's all him is so great. I love spinoff showcase as a kid. And I loved mm. 138th episode Spectacular. Even though it's a clip show, it's the best one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They wanted to make For it special. Sure. You can just imagine the future where, I, you know, it's it's a whole other topic to talk about the decline of The Simpsons is where you see it at. But sure. to know that the show couldn't have Troy McClure is just a like a host of a set of sh- uh, shorts, like spinoff showcase. Like they couldn't really do. I mean, they could do. They did do them. But 
without being supported by your go-to always funny guy of Phil Hartman, you can't. It it does hurt the show to a degree. It's as yeah. if somehow like itchy and scratchy were off the table, like some <laughs> yeah. like sort of outside component, like a really great flavor. It's not necessary for the show, but boy, you're glad when this shows up. And like it just like it's just unfortunate that like coincidentally right in the time where maybe the show's hitting a decline creatively that that's uh, like among many other things you can't do these two great characters anymore yeah 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 what a bummer can i say really quick and then we, we i know we gotta get into the episode but the because i was i just remember being i was so bummed when this episode aired as i said and just like he died in may i believe mm-hmm. and there was there was so much fallout of that, a lot of which like came to pass in September when all of these shows came back. Yeah, yeah. Because Simpsons is back and they have to do this and do a tribute to him. News Radio has to figure out what are we even doing. I just thought of that. Yeah, right, right. Probably around. I don't even know. Probably all in the same month. All of this stuff. I is think airing. you're right. Yeah. Uh, and they like so they had to do this very sad tribute episode. You have to like which is mourn well him done, for like but... five fucking months. Like yeah, yeah. yeah as production yeah. catches up, you're right. Yeah. yeah, I never thought of that. It was uh, this like delayed, and then like. Uh, what's the third rock from the sun yes had a cliffhanger that involved him and Jan Hooks and then they had to solve it without him yeah and the movie Small Soldiers was in the can and it's a movie all about him being like tortured and hurt and they don't want to like I think it hurt the box office of the movie they had to cut him essentially from all the ads and the trailers to just limit the amount of Phil Hartman in it and let me bring a little (laughs) theme park thing in here something I didn't know until prepping to come here with you guys there was a Small Soldiers temporary attraction at Universal Studios whoa uh, that they that was with original video Hosted by Phil Hartman. Oh my God! Welcome to the Small Soldiers experience. And they had to they had to cut it and do something different. So it affected weird theme park world too. Were those ever recovered? Those videos? I have no idea. It's like every incredible every lost recording of Phil is a treasure. We need to find it. Like every outtake, everything we never saw. Like there's only so much Phil Hartman material out there. (laughs) Yeah, true. No, it is like a like a a musician who died in his prime, and like we should we have to like protect every demo and every like rare recording of yeah, God, if that's out there. Oh, my God. It has to be found and preserved. And, uh, yeah, I have some Phil Hartman stats here that I didn't realize how much he was on the show. He's in 52 total episodes Mm. from starting with season two's Bart gets hit by a car. He was in 52 after that. This is the 206th episode. So he was in... Basically, one out of every four Simpsons before this time. Mm. Like, that's how much he was in it. Like, more than I thought, too. I was like, oh, yeah, Phil Hartman appears every cup, uh, like three times a season, maybe. But yeah, one out of every four. And then he occasionally played uh, characters like the Evan Conover, the uh, Australian yeah. guy. And Lyle uh, Landley, of yeah. course. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. What so many like, one of characters. God, that is like a, a such a tour de force, like guest star part, but it's mm. like a, essentially a guy's in the extended. <laughs> rep company. Yeah, yeah. Like just like Marsha Wallace too, who also no longer with us, but yeah, died. In case you don't know how Phil Hartman died, he yeah, he was murdered by his wife. That very dark, very mm-hmm. dark. And yeah. unlike and that again, what a pummeling of a time this was where Chris Farley had, had passed away five months ago. His death you heard about and were like, oh God, the extension of the way he lived happened. It's so horrible, but it's like almost 
I'm sure for people who knew him, like maybe not even a surprise because it was like he was on that path, unfortunately. Mm. It seems like the Phil Hartman death was out of nowhere. People did not know the problems in that marriage. Or I don't I don't know that yeah. even that was a thing she was like inevitably going to do. Mm-hmm. I think it was a horrible, horrible night where just everything came to a head. And yeah. uh, um, it's, yeah, so, so, so grim. And just it just seemed like such a shock like i think that was one of the most shocking moments of my childhood well i was like 15 but yeah i mean i was probably on the internet and i saw the news on whatever cnn.com or whatever was around then i was like this feels like a mistake like this murdered should not be next to phil hartman's name in any case yeah yeah Yeah. and well then too you think about how he was 49 when he passed away. He'd be 71 now, or mm. almost 71 at the time of this recording. And just think about the comedy nerds who grew up loving him, how much they would have cast him in everything and all oh. the stuff he would have done. Like, he would have had oh a whole, God. like, second renaissance of his career yeah. for the last 15 years. Like Maybe even, like, serious uh, roles. You never know. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He, could be, he could be a fucking Oscar winner right now, for all we know. Like, it's just, yeah. that's the real tragedy of it all that really makes, like, why it still makes me feel bad watching this episode mm. and hearing his last lines. There was like, this incredible yeah. run at, at Funny or Die where I got to work for a while where like so many heroes came in the door, either to work in a specific video or just like took a meeting. Like Dana Carvey just came in for a meeting and <laughs> I think 55 people jammed into a conference room just and he walked into the conference room like, Jesus, like he didn't realize he had to do a stand-up show that day. Say then the he did. He did every character. It was oh. unbelievable. But I always think like the in terms of like hero me the ones that I was just like in an alternate world where these things didn't happen who were the people I would like beg and plead to try to get in or to meet somehow Phil Phil Hartman and John Ritter like uh, b- both yeah, people yeah. who I like I just adore everything they, mm. they they did and like yeah if only there was some world where the unfortunate <laughs> things didn't happen no and I was seeing funny or die stuff with like uh, Sinbad starring in the fake Shazam movie like that <laughs> sketch I was thinking like do they do, do that do they, they make do a that? Sin- yeah oh I don't think it I knew was, that it was pretty funny it was huh. pretty funny but um but I was just thinking when I saw that, like, we'd have, like, 17 videos where Phil Hartman plays Troy McClure in live action. Like, a 16 <laughs> Oh, you're right. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> Phil. And it's just, uh, it's such a bummer. Potentially it's, a movie, they say, yeah, on the commentaries. They totally would have done that. At the very least, like, on the as a TV movie, I would think, you know. Oh, but please. What the greatest. Once is, he probably was, like, locked in in news radio, but then news radio would have just been canceled the next season anyway. And so then he'd have been <laughs> freed from his contract he could have done it like it sounds like mm. that show was a struggle every time unfortunately yeah. <laughs> even though it was so good oh you know what the, the other one we didn't mention too that he was going to be Zab Brannigan yes yep, oh yeah, yeah totally totally as the, they did table reads with him playing Zap Brannigan like he's yeah. that he if Zap Brannigan was invented to be the Troy McClure of the show who would be a recurring guy have pretty much a lot of the same character beats as like Troy and Lionel Hutz like but in a Captain Kirk kind of way oh yeah. sure yeah and that's yeah. why Fry's name is Philip J. Fry too. Yeah, that's it's a right. To Phil Hartman, is it's it like, really? Yeah. Oh, no kidding! I didn't know that one. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is, it makes me so happy. Even the even to talk about his death is horrible, obviously, but just like. I'm like viscerally happy talking about Phil Hartman for this long. It really, even though this is the last one, it's it's a good excuse to to do it. Oh, and I have one last depressing thought, though, of the yeah, future okay. of Yay. Phil Hartman characters. <laughs> okay, so with Muppets, 
Jim Henson died. They did recast some of his characters because you just can't not have Kermit, have and, Kermit and yes. Ernie and all those characters. But they did kind of softly retire Rolf until the Muppet movie. Then Rolf just shows up like, hey, I'm Rolf. I'm here with you too. And it just is like, I guess Rolf's alive again now. Mm. Okay. And I mm. wonder if... You know, say 10 years from now when Disney is recasting other Simpsons actors because of time moving forward. What if they do just say like, you know what? It's been long enough. Let's just, if we're recasting Homer or Bart or whatever, why don't we just recast Troy? Like, let's just have Troy come back. Like, Oh, heresy. This cannot be. (laughs) I wonder at that point if the idea of a washed up movie star from the 70s would work as well in like 2030. (laughs) (laughs) That would be as anachronistic as Dennis the Menace was when we were kids. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is is what a bad kid is like. (laughs) He still calls people Mr. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) But yeah, I um, I don't know. I wouldn't be that surprised if Troy McClure comes back someday if they just feel like doing it. It'll really yeah. be the test of how in franchise world are we mm. if primary cast members start passing away and the, and they just replace it and keep mm. going. Yeah, and or if they. Or if they aren't passed away, or if just like mm. New Simpsons, here we go. Yeah. That'll that will really be. <laughs> I mean, I could see an eighty-three-year-old still living Harry Shearer going like, "I don't want to work for Disney," and they're like, "Okay, time to recast." Like, and they just do it. Like, I want mm. to believe that computer technology will be so advanced by that time they could just take every syllable they've ever spoken <laughs> yeah. and just rebuild any line they want to use on the show, like sort of what Roger Ebert did before he died, when they yeah. basically, yeah. based on one commentary track he did, they rebuilt his voice. Yeah, that'll just This computer-speaking voice. So I feel like by the time, you know, people start passing away, there just might be enough recorded material (laughs) to conceivably do any interpretation of any line they want. I've had the the theory with podcast luminary Bugmane that mm-hmm. uh, the that the Marvel people have to secretly sign contracts to they have to like do the syllables in advance that they like mm-hmm. all right you're going to be in a Marvel and first you have to like stand in this room for three hours say look out Spider Man <laughs> look out Captain America look out this character just any conceivable scenario <laughs> it saves a lot of work if yeah. they just say the full names for sure yeah and then <laughs> they just do like ah uh, be like just like every every vowel every syllable they have to like do a full body turn they have to be like scanned and filmed for, like for here's all the way from the bottom of your feet up to the top of your head I think yeah. I don't know does it make sense to me it's gonna be tough for Marvel to pretend that they are like oh we got so lucky they actually recorded this before they died in a car wreck or whatever <laughs> like, <laughs> we just uh, happened to have all of this footage <laughs> well I mean some people thought in that Fast, uh, Fast and Furious 8 some people thought it looked fake but when I was seeing the movie I was like I don't know this kind of feels like Paul uh, what's his face didn't die like he's his mm. character is so Frankenstein together but I couldn't catch where there was a weird bit where he's just on the phone with his wife and she uh, is doing all the talking really she's like so you're saying you can't do that and he's like yep all right. Well, I could. It was the Fallout Boy joke from, uh, from, from Radioactive. So uh, you're saying three full sentences of exposition? Yes. Uh, but okay, let's get into Bart the episode. Bart the mother. I guess, the, I guess, yeah, we, I guess yeah. we did our Phil Hartman episode. Yeah. Hey, 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 hey. Cut that out. That could, that could uh, last us another week, I think. Uh, but yes, this, uh, this episode of Bart the Mother begins with a power trip of a mail call. Mail call. Gather around, everyone. All right, one for resident. That's me. 
Well, that's it. One stinking letter? Why'd you make us gather around like that? I needed my power fix. <laughs> hey, listen to this. Congratulations. Your child or children have been selected to appear in Who's Who among American elementary school students. <gasps> Uh, <laughs> Please submit their names along with $95 for each handsome volume you wish to order. Oh, I've never been so proud. You both deserve a big, big reward. Mom, they put every kid in America in that book just so gullible parents will buy it. It's all a big scam. Shut up. <laughs> Are you sure? I can usually smell a scam from two towns over. Yeah, Lise. She is a smart, sophisticated woman. Now, let's hear more about that big, big reward. <laughs> yeah, quit stalling, Marge. We want our reward. Are we all aware of the Who's Who scam that was happening in oh, the 90s no, and earlier? No. Sounds familiar. Yeah, so yeah. there's no trademark on the, uh, the phrase Who's Who, so anyone can do it. And essentially what they would do was uh, there'd be like who's who among like uh, the banking industry and who's who among American high school students where you basically pay a pretty hefty sum to get your picture and name in this book. But it's just a book full of people who would pay the money to get their name in a book. <laughs> and I know like when I made a new friend in like middle school, the, like the first thing he showed me is like, I'm in this book. You got to see this. Oh, wow. And he totally believed oh. it. But even then I, I thought like this seems like made up. Like what did you do to get in this book? It's like, oh, you submitted a picture and paid $90. <laughs> so uh, the yeah, most no, recent um, the most recent story I found on this was um, in like 2011 about just the scam in general and what it is. But I guess things like social media makes it not even a thing anyone we wants to do anymore. We get enough self-importance that way. Yeah. We don't need to pay somebody to put it in a book. Wow, that, but the who's through thing is real. That's crazy. Referencing a real I, thing. Yeah. Wow. I I was like the kids here, witness to uh, parents getting scammed and trying to tell them you're being scammed and not being listened to. The uh, the one I remember the most was I told my mom. I'm like, this guy isn't really selling magazine subscriptions for Iraq War veterans. Like, he's, please don't give him $50. She's like, no, I really think this guy, like, she even in invited him in to have a drink of water. Mm. And I was just like, eh, fine, whatever. Let's give him 50 bucks. <laughs> I, though, then again, I was in one of those magazine subscription things and I fell for it at the door, but I wrote them a check. And then once they walked away, I was like, Wait a minute, no. And then I, I canceled the check. So but then they got my routing number and stuff. So maybe I, I lost more than $50 mm. on that. Who knows? Let's bring back the who's who's. I think that we need a way to, you know, with social media being such a huge morass, like who you don't know who's important, who is it. There's only one way. Let's, with a book. So let's bring, we need to bring back the book system so we know who's who needs to be paid attention to well, in this there's, world. There's no MySpace, so you can't openly rank all of your friends anymore. Uh, uh, there's no top to, eight yeah. on Facebook. I want it's, my friends to know who are my favorites. <laughs> yeah, now it's just like a Dragon Ball Z power level of followers on Twitter. That's the best like you can get out of that. <laughs> and that's just too straightforward. <laughs> uh, and but I also like uh, they Marge is such a mom in this episode. Like she has no character to her beyond motherhood and things related to it. And that includes like like oh, like oh I'm usually so good with a scam. Like I mm -hmm. I can catch him. Like though my dad always he had this. We had this joke that we'd say that my dad would always tell mom, they saw you coming. If she said, like, oh, I paid $10 for this thing. He's like, they saw you coming. It's like, I tell him, like, that's the menu price at the place. It's $10. <laughs> like, it, but... I would have talked him down. <laughs> I forgot this whole opening act is just to get Bart access to a gun. Just yeah. like the who's who leads mm -hmm. to the Family Fun Center leads to Nelson getting a gun leads to Bart shooting a bird. Yeah, I, had no, very... I had no idea what that 
flow was and you know yeah there's no other way to get him a gun than to go to a uh, like a castle amusement park <laughs> that would have a gun like you know, that's that part of it is still a stretch yeah the opening could just be Bart sees Nelson shooting things with a gun and then he's like I want to shoot that and that's all like, someone yeah. had to take Husu down a peg <laughs> it was a public service well I mean I do I love a good first segment of Simpsons that is like observational of things and this time they're they're taking down family fun centers which <laughs> uh, I love how boringly it's called too it's just like it's family fun center like in my neck of the woods the thing that was this exact place of mini golf plus arcade plus batting cages it was called Adventure Island that was the name mm. of it and it was a uh-huh. string of them all around Florida I don't know what part of Florida are you for that's not the uh, northern Florida okay, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. not there's one there's like a pirate mini golf uh, it uh, was, off of Disney World property yeah this uh, this was a little piratey I think they were ripping off the Orlando pirate stuff which mm-hmm. I've been to the Orlando's world world's biggest McDonald's. Oh, me too. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And it uh, simply takes up a lot of space and there's not, I mean, I guess it's got kind of a big playground. Uh, But those vaulted ceilings are magnificent. (laughs) I mean, the thing I remember is that there was a, just, uh, it's, you know, it's kooky. There's a lot of crap on the, here's a big shark with sunglasses and then like there's a pillar that has a a life-size cutout of Bill Cosby. Whoa. Oh, Oh, man. I wonder (laughs) if that is not there today. (laughs) That is, there else, I went because they have a Mac tonight. Oh. Piano playing animatronic. That oh, was uh, that I I went all the way across the country to see it essentially, and then it was uh, broken. <laughs> I guess uh, uh, Cosby did shill for McDonald's. That's one of the many things he shilled for, right? Mm, that must have been in there. Somewhere. Yeah, it sounds yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. The list. Uh, he was not above pudding, so McDonald's <laughs> is on the same tier. <laughs> and, and, and you know who else uh, shilled for McDonald's? Phil Hartman. He did. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he played a cheesy pitch man, and then just was a cheesy pitch man. Uh, you know, he was so good at it. Too. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was that movie with him and Sinbad where he befriended Sinbad? Oh, House Guest. House Guest, yeah. yeah. In that, they go to McDonald's. Like, it has aggressive <laughs> McDonald's product placement in it, I remember. Oh. Boy, that was that. I remember that movie now. That was yeah, so Yeah, Sinbad weird. just has fantasies about McDonald's and what he's going to order. It's just, like, where he wants to be at all times. <laughs> well, they're also Seven both... Seven times in the movie. <laughs> they're, That's they're, too much. And they're both in Jingle All the Way, too, but they don't share a scene, right? Like, he's... Yeah. Phil Hartman's trying to steal Arnold's wife if Oh, really? Yeah. He's, huh. the, there's a bit on the phone. The best scene in the movie is when Phil Hartman is on the phone like, oh, I'm having your wife's delicious cookies. And, and then Arnold says, like, those are my cookies. Put them down. Uh, but yeah, the Family Fun Center, I never rode go-karts because like they did scare. We talk about being a wuss. I was oh, yeah. like, on that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I rode them once and they were frightening. I was probably going 12 miles an hour <laughs> wearing a helmet. Yeah, I guess me neither. Yeah. You know what? I turned down that I didn't do a, a go-kart outing with friends as recently. Recently as 2012, I like uh, sat on the sidelines and played uh, air hockey instead. <laughs> so yes, I, I would have to put myself in the whip list as well. I think when I sat down in the go kart at age 10, I was not ready for that amount of freedom, mm, and I felt sure. like I was in way over my head. Like I can't, I'm this thing's going too fast. Mm-hmm. What if I hit the tires? What's going to happen to me? Well, I did not explode like Milhouse did. <laughs> explode in flames well, like a NASCAR driver. I, well, cars in general always scared me. I didn't get my driver's license till like well 18. That's not like super late, but I was the last of my friends group to learn how to drive. And uh, like I even remember getting like freaking out as a little kid. It was I forget the name of the ride, but it was at um, Atlanta Six Flags, where it was one of those types of 
pretend you're driving rides, but you can't actually drive. Okay. But I was like eight, and I thought I was driving. I was just, and my dad was like, come on, turn the steering wheel. I was like, no, no, I won't do it. Like, yeah, it uh, freaked me out. So I'm a recent listener of Podcast The Ride. Did you guys do Autopia yet? I haven't done Autopia, and you know what? We're, uh, we're, we're kind of anti-Autopia. I've ridden it once, and I am now in that camp. I mean, it's not made for adults, uh, because no. the way I drove the car was I sat in one seat, and I was sort of steering on the... I think I sat in the passenger seat was reaching across to steer oh, the yes, driver's seat. Oh, yeah, that's very seat. awkward, the yeah. positioning. Yeah, you have to you have to be kind of splayed out through the whole thing. I think you could only do it, it's only adult-sized if you are if you have a child yeah. with you because operating the gas yourself, I had like a like really awful leg cramps for 10 mm. minutes one of the last times I did it. I did feel like the very tall man in The Simpsons. <laughs> and also, they don't need to run on gasoline. I don't know why they still do that. Oh, it just yeah. it stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Around, <laughs> Disney has to do its part environmentally and also get rid of it so we can have the Tron coaster here. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Counting the day. Well, that is coming to Orlando, right, and killing Autopia. It is. It? They yeah. were able to put it off in so, you know, weird grass off to the side where there was nothing. Mm. But here we got hotels as soon as you leave Tomorrowland. <laughs> So unless they can buy the Howard Johnson in and blow it up uh, that's, and, and put the Tron coaster there, that Autopia is the only option. It's got to go. I wouldn't put it past them to kill Hojo like that. They'd buy the entire <laughs> company and just blow, to blow up that one. <laughs> that's that's a Disney move, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yeah, they're they're raiders. Uh, but yes, the uh, the go kart scene is it's just really cute. Homer wants after all that driving, he still loves go karts and just the the fun of it. And oh, that felt like a very Autopia reference, like. Fun. Uh, they were out of the car. Oh, hey, <laughs> go-karts. That felt like, yeah, you you drive all the way to Disneyland and then get in a weird little smelly car. Uh, but I feel like most real dads are like, please don't make me get in the car ride. I just drove all the way here. Sure, sure. And uh, meanwhile, Marge is... Believing that slow and steady wins the race as everyone passes her. She'll stick with the plan. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She has to comfort herself, like, oh, stick with the plan. Like, And then this is an interesting thing, I think, plotting-wise in this, that they, I think in other episodes, they wouldn't need a scene to set up for viewers. Nelson is a bad kid, because I think they can just assume mm-hmm. viewers know Nelson is bad. Mm-hmm. But in this one, they have to show, like, Nelson injuring Millhouse and then Marge saying, I don't like you, Nelson. Like, just letting you know that she doesn't like Nelson. If he wasn't a character in this episode of Prominent One, we would not get a comment on his behavior. He would just Mm. show up to injure Millhouse and then leave. (laughs) (laughs) Is it to establish maybe that, like, Marge... Maybe you've not seen Marge's opinions about yeah. Nelson before. Yeah. I guess she's kind of never really. I mean, you would assume she doesn't approve of Nelson, but no. But uh, she's. I guess she has never really said it before. I mean, her daughter briefly dated him, so <laughs> oh, well, she yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, though. she might not have been aware at all. Yeah. <laughs> also, this is the first time I got when Lisa calls Marge Pokey. That's like calling her Slow Poke. Mm. That's uh, that's why she. Okay. At first, I thought it was a Gumby, Gumby reference. reference. Yeah. <laughs> After the go-karting, everybody's getting their prizes. Okay, what can I get for 12? Count them, 12 prize tickets. Two thumbtacks and a mustache comb, or five rubber bands and an ice cube. What can I get for 8,000 tickets? A BB gun or an easy-bake oven. Hmm, hot food is tempting, but I just can't say no to a weapon. (gasps) Whoa, can I try that sometime? Yeah, sure. Never hurts to have a second set of prints on a gun. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Nelson. I'll come by your house later. Oh, no, you won't. 
You stay away from Nelson months. But, Mom... Nelson's a troubled, lonely, sad little boy. He needs to be isolated from everyone. But, Mom... <laughs> yes? That's all I got. So what prize did you end up getting? Mustache comb, what'd you get? Fake mustache. Wanna comb it? <laughs> this sucks. It's time to punch out of this yawn factory. I'm going to Nelson's. But Mom said not to. She doesn't scare me. I do what I want, when I want. Oh, God, inchworms. I think if these were kids of the uh, 80s and not the 60s, they would have the spider ring being the <laughs> initial, like, lowest tier <laughs> ticket yeah. prize. Whenever there was a ticket redemption arcade or whatever, the top prize would be just an empty, dusty Nintendo box. <laughs> Even in 1994, just like, well, there's Super Nintendo now. <laughs> I think that box is empty. Yeah, not when uh, it, ticket redemption in places like that. That's when you realize what like a scam capitalism is the first time as a kid. It's just yeah. like, here's, oh, man, I earned so many tickets, right? Oh, you didn't get a tenth of the tickets you need for the third best prize. Like, you can't get that stuffed animal. But, sir, I put in so many hours. <laughs> I slaved all day, and this is my reward. It's, it broke as soon as I touched it. Um, it's a yeah. like Lyft driving. It is, yeah. I, and just like in Lyft, though, you're paying up front to, like, play ski ball and then get the tickets, it's too. to play scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, the, also the ski, ski ball was a favorite of mine. I do like ski mm. ball. But yeah, it's funny, Nelson... When Maggie and Lisa do that Maggie oop and cheat that way, Nelson says, hey, that's cheating. In Radio Bart, Nelson does that exact oh. thing of just grabbing a handful of balls and walking up to the holes and just oh, putting it in there. At the Chuck E. Cheese, uh, sorry, Wally Weasel. Yes, Wally Weasel. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I that's thought they'd done that before. That's what gets funny when they start, because I, I noticed this thing with both well, theme parks and then family fun centers. like. That when you do the math over upwards of 30 seasons, that like, so Springfield has uh, 14 theme parks, (laughs) seven Chuck E. Cheese esque places. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just, it's like multiple stadiums, multiple mountains and gorges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's so much nature there. Yeah. A ton of malls. Like every type of store is there. They have a Trader Joe's equivalent. (laughs) At least one ocean and lake, too. And the, what, the second largest mountain or something? Yeah. Yeah. The Murder Horny is like the tallest mountain. One of the tallest mountains in the world, yeah. Oh, yeah, so rarely acknowledged, yes. One, like in the, presumably the United <laughs> States, probably the tallest mountain. Oh, and Mr. Burns' casino, too, like <laughs> one of the biggest casinos in the world. Oh, yes, too. yeah, yeah. Even though also Las Vegas exists separately, but aren't there other casinos elsewhere? And, yeah. yeah. Well, they go to a Native American casino, too, because every show in 1999 had to do a Native American casino joke. They really did. They all had to do it. <laughs> I'll forgive them By because law. there's only one skee-ball joke to make, and they did it. <laughs> they did. And they just forgot about it. I mean, I challenge you out there, write another skee-ball joke. Well, Mm. Chasing Amy, they had the skee-ball joke where he throws a ball while and then smashes into somebody when when the girl said, when Joey Lauren Adams says a shocking sexual thing as he's about to throw a skee-ball. So that's the one other skee-ball. But that's basically just a bowling joke except a skee-ball. It's got to involve tickets. It's got to involve tickets. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, you could get distracted and throw it backwards and then like it's that little, that little hard ball is like right 
bite at that testicle height. Oh, yeah. So there's probably a good, like, holding the balls gag to happen somewhere. But <laughs> Oh, but actually, right before the scene, Homer gets hit in the ball with a batting machine, so they can't, they, they'd be just doubling up their ball hit jokes if they did that. Do you guys think, does that, th- th- watching, the, I don't go into season 10 a lot, and that was one where I was thinking, like, is the physical comedy starting to feel like a little forced? Like, do is, like, is was that, did that, that felt to me like, well, and then Homer's there, what do we do with Homer? And yeah. we do something, and he should be, be, they, it. it felt like a little Looney Tunes scene they stuck into it of just they felt like they had to it was very I telegraph where Lisa's like up front uh, you better wear a helmet dead yeah. and you know he's going to be pummeled with baseballs I did like the animation of him on the ground and being hit with the baseballs is slowly turning his body over yeah, the force of the baseballs yeah, hitting yeah. them those little turns yeah. 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 yeah it was all an animation though yeah, yeah the animation I felt when he was just getting hit while standing the animation was letting them down a little bit it wasn't as good as some of his like physical stuff you'd see in like season like five or yeah. whatever sure. I, I guess the but, idea of charging the mound when it's a pitching machine is pretty funny. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. like that. But but the limited, the best because the animation seems more limited than in the previous years in this scene. That's why I think the it turning him over works better because he doesn't have. The joke is how he's not moving, and so it's just uh, sure. inch by inch being turned over. Were they like were they drawing the show or not drawing? Like that's a, <laughs> a dumb way to put it. But like were they were they animating the show dif- differently at this point? Because um, I, I started, in addition to starting to go around season 10, like, hey, what's going on? It's not as funny to me. What, did it, it, start, it like looks more unpleasant to me, and I'm not sure why. I think over time, uh, mostly due to macaraning, things became more regimented, like expressions became less wild and off-model. Off okay. They were able to do less. The artists had less freedom. And I think over time, the budget kept getting smaller, so they had less and less money to play with. But mm-hmm. the digital era will be coming up, and I think season three, 13 or 14? 14. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And well, and also, too, they lost uh, David Silverman. Like, David yeah. Silverman's at Pixar mm. at this point in the show. Oh, gotcha. And I think he could get away with more things of like, I'm breaking the rule. Homer shouldn't do this. But David Silverman had been there since the short. So if he wanted to break a rule, I think he could get away with it more than newer guys could. Oh, interesting. So, Whereas yeah. to this day, like, there will be just a, like, some little scene, some character animation in South Park that feels way off and like way individual to whoever's doing it (laughs) and if the documentary indicates anything they will like yeah, you go do that. We're busy with other stuff. Just handle that scene, mm. and then they'll bring it back. And they just did this totally like individualistic little moment. So maybe that's what we're mm. losing at this point. It's like be, yeah. somebody just putting all of themselves into this nutso little scene. I mean, right now the show uh, is not traditionally animated. It's animated through the animation tools that many animated programs use today. So mm-hmm. they no longer have the privilege of being traditionally animated. It's been that way for years now, and uh-huh. you do lose a lot more. You lose a lot of the individual drawings, like everything you see on the screen in this era somebody drew every pose oh sure um, that happens in the storyboard and everything but you lose a lot of that you know individual expression and the human quality when it's just all uh, a lot of it is done with computers I'm not saying like it's just like they feed a computer a script or anything but sure, sure, sure. it's been even more streamlined since this era but too. it might be like we have this bank of when Lisa looks like this when yeah Paul looks like this yeah I see they were already getting more locked in around season 10 in like expressions and then I think that it got digital it just even more so locked in and they couldn't change it much which sure, sure. Uh, when Bart leaves too I, I like I love uh, him and Lisa's little exchange about combing each other's mustache like it's <laughs> kind of oh, that's really funny, yeah. it's, it's a really cute scene and yeah 
The Wii never got mustache. Oh, and also one of the prizes was a, a currently melting ice cube, too. Oh, uh, like, yeah. That it's just in the display. Uh, and you can see it. It's drawn in there, like, in an ice cube. And it's right there. Like, there's uh, condensation under it. It is melting. You know, on this there. trip, I got the iTunes version. I think that ice cube was cropped out of the picture. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. The 16 by 9 version, which is oh, the only yeah. one available on iTunes if you want to buy it digitally. It sucks. And if you do it even in the FXX app, you can't change it other, too, on your phone. You have to. You can get four by three on fxx or on the simpsons world if you do it on uh through like a browser uh, but on your phone it just is like yeah you want to see this cropped right like that's a uh, uh. so what will come of all this when it moves to hulu or whatever oh, oh no, no i'm sorry disney plus, plus. it is yeah. disney plus okay yeah we're, uh, we're praying they retain the commentaries and also yeah. the ability to watch it in the original aspect ratio but we have like we i guess we don't know yet it doesn't seem like something disney would care about but yeah. if they put anyone in charge of at least though disney is also i can attest as a theme park person like if as long as they put somebody in charge of something who is obsessed with stuff like fans are then they'll like hopefully see the thing through with some quality. Yeah, yeah. I would hope they give it the treatment they give like Lady and the Tramp or whatever. <laughs> I, I would, but with true archival, like they wouldn't crop Lady and the Tramp now or they wouldn't like mm. one of their more square old movies. And I hope they wouldn't do that with Simpsons. I think yeah. especially if, I mean, just from a business standpoint, they would look better than Simpsons World if they're like, no, no, we we know the right aspect ratio to have this shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully. Hopefully. I'm excited for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I get yeah. too. Hey, look, you Thank can't you, stop it, so may as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited for it. <laughs> Seven whole dollars. It's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it it's the best deal in town. Yeah, it, it actually is. I hate saying that, I hate, but it's true. I The only, they got to get the Disney afternoon stuff on there. I'll, mm-hmm. be, I'll be very sad. Ooh, like yeah. They have like 8,000 hours of content just from their TV animation in the 90s but mm-hmm. and I, I want full restored quality Ernest goes to Splash Mountain <laughs> 4k up res uh, color correct I wonder if they feel weird about having Eisner stuff in there because mm. it's just like this is like four CEOs ago or something I don't know they shouldn't it's part of their history yeah. it's, it's Walt and it's Eisner and it's what it, Eisner is 80s Walt and we yeah. need to just embrace this I just want a super cut of all of the very awkward and stiff uh, wonderful world of Disney introductions he did like hello i'm here with kermit oh my friend i did this for podcast the ride oh, uh, oh. I'll, I'll i'll send it to okay. you this is the probably the biggest deal of a thing that's happened to me this year we made a super guy and it's just him saying hello oh okay. <laughs> hello 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 <laughs> and I, I went i found as many specials as i could 67 was my sum total <laughs> i scoured youtube wow. and elsewhere posted it a couple days later the man himself retweeted <gasps> amazing my Michael okay. Eisner himself. I've never been so like I truly like <laughs> quite <laughs> earnestly. My wife came home from work and like give me a big hug. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why Eisner me, but uh, and he made a good little joke too. He said he uh, said hi there. I'm working on varying up my introductions. <laughs> um, yeah, that's big, funny. Big that's... big honor. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you. Hello, 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 hi. If you're looking for me, I'm right over here. No, 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 over here. I'm in the computer. Here on the desk. Good. Hello. 
as a new as a newly minted theme park freak, it's always fun in every YouTube video about Disneyland rides. I'm like, when are they gonna say Michael Eisner in this? Yeah. They, all, they all have to have the Eisner minute of hate. In, we in, in, <laughs> we hate. depart with who is otherwise our our friend, and he is our fr- our friend at Defunct Land. Who they make very uh, very I love, popular. I love YouTube Defunct videos. Land. I really do. Um, yeah. But I don't. I think he's very Eisner poisoned. And yeah. We, uh, mm. uh, I hope to hash this out with Kevin of Defunct Land over the course of like 12 episodes. <laughs> Eisner's important. If you don't have Eisner, maybe that you don't have the company at all. Yeah. Uh, did he do some bad stuff? Sure. But like this, I can point to so many things at Disney World that wouldn't be there without him. Uh, and maybe, yeah, maybe, and the company might have just gone bust entirely. So uh, I love you, Michael Eisner. <laughs> Thanks for everything. Me and Bob Moore are now on the side of like Jeffrey Katzenberg is the one everybody he's the was true supposed villain, to yeah. hate. Like, yeah, he's, but he, he, was, has, he has time to redeem himself with the rise of Quibi. Oh, yes, Quibi. That's right. Soon Quibi will be upon us, and the final chapter of the Katzenberg tale will be to when we all stop uh, going to the theater entirely yeah. and exclusively uh, Quibi. All those webisodes, man. I'm gonna just I'm gonna consume so many webisodes. Because <laughs> we're all busy. We're all we all have just quick lunch breaks, so we just have to take quick bites. Every snackable listen- content. Is that what it is? <laughs> every listenable is go- every listener is Googling Quibi right now because no one has heard of it. And it's like a billion dollar thing. Oh, no, but they will. Uh, they when well. they see Peter Ferris early show about suicide oh, an actual boy. thing they announced today oh boy <laughs> um, yeah buckle up <laughs> quick bites of suicide with <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, we're not even out of act one I'm sorry it's okay yeah. this is the way our podcast usually flows <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but so Bart, okay, he- Bart head o- heads over to Nelson's and we get to see how fucked up Nelson's house is like the worst it's ever well it did look pretty bad in the nuke the whales moment oh, yeah. Uh, yeah but I do like the detail of in the way that some Someone would have a pen tied to the wall for note taking. They have a knife tied to a string on the wall that you carve into the wall your messages. Like I did really like that. The if it had just been a knife that he picks up and put down, that's boring. But a knife that is tied to a string only for note taking purposes. I guess it establishes that Nelson's dad has also been in jail. Yes. Yeah. His mom was like, "Your mom's a jailbird. So is yours. Let's play." Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no consistency to his parents. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Before he eventually reappeared much later, he was the soccer coach who was oh. smoking with Nelson. Yeah. Made uh, voice of Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. Hartman. Oh, the Phil right. Hartman role. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Oh, no. Nelson's alternative Nelson's Pele's dad. Pele's soccer and acting camp. Wow. The, wow. Though he didn't voice Nelson's dad in his last appearance where he picked him up from the football game and yeah. said he was taking him to Hooters. and That was Harry Shearer. <laughs> yeah, and he said, I don't want to bother mom at her work. Like, <laughs> We're but, learning a lot more about Nelson's family life and like beyond season eight. And, wow. and she's ad- addicted to Cough drops, I oh, believe right. it was, too. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Nelson is taking Bart out for some shooting. Bart does not listen to him telling him to put on a scarf. Uh, and then they, they head outside. Nelson shoots up his shooting car, which... Uh, Three more payments. I'm surprised that windshield was already intact at that point. They've been shooting it so much. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's prime shooting zone. You want to save that for last. Uh, <laughs> and, satisfying. And then it was, uh, it's Bart's turn to shoot. Bet you can't hit that bird from here. Are you crazy? I don't want to shoot a stupid bird. That's because you know you can't. You're not a super stud like me. <laughs> Am too. Or not. You're an octawussy. Whoa, look at me. I'm Bart Simpson. I'm scared to use a gun. I want to marry Millhouse. I walk around like this. La, 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 la. Hey, quit it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, my God. Whoa, major oh. shot. You even compensated for the crooked sight. Crooked sight? <laughs> you are one cold-blooded killer, dude. But, but I wasn't... I didn't... Right through the neck! <laughs> Doesn't get any sweeter than that, Simpson. Savor the moment. So before the uh, the comedy twist in the third act, it does feel like it's heading into the Marge Be Not Proud uh, Bone Storm episode. similar, uh-huh. yeah. Where it's like Marge's uh, shame is worse than any sort of punishment Bart could have. Yeah. And he's trying to make it up to her. A mild component of Lemon of Troy as yeah. well. Like not wanting to get caught writing his name in the uh, in the cement. That's right, yeah. yeah. Graffito yeah. tag. Uh-huh. But yeah, the... Uh, well, Mars Be Not Proud is one of Scully's best episodes before he, uh, you know, became showrunner. Maybe I think that's why this episode, I was going to say that later, but I think that's why in the third act it takes such a turn because I think they realize, like, this is really similar to Mars Be Not Proud. We got to have uh, bird genocide in here to shake things up. (laughs) It's no longer about Bart's redemption after act uh, two is over. Yeah, yeah. It is. Well, you're also, this is the thing I feel like as as this era progresses is that you have episodes. Episodes that feel different from Act One to Act Two to Act Three, mm-hmm. uh, and it is this. This it is an uncomfortable mix for me of like it's sort of like almost like creepily emotional at times. I'm like when the the, the they keep saying killer and yeah, uh, why yeah. Are, why is they calling you killer? It is. It's like oddly like. Uh, it's almost like sort of like like cheesy in its emotion, and then we end up with like flying lizards <laughs> yeah. at the end. It, it I think this kind of episode culminates later in like where I really checked out was like, and you'll you guys will get there soon enough. Uh, uh, the uh, the episode with, with with like Kid Rock and alligator oh, yeah. killing, and yeah. I just remember that one being an all over the place. Like, where are we now? It's and crazy. why did this happen? Yeah, and, yeah. I think uh, this is. Another uh, crossing the Rubicon moment, a term I say all the time on the show. But this is another... We're, we're eight Rubicons ago. Yes, this is, uh, there's, there's so many Rubicons in, in my uh, theoretical world of Simpsons. But the bird shooting thing, I mean, it is them plumbing the depths of like childhood shame that we all feel of like, yeah. one thing you regret you did as a kid. We don't we don't have to list our own sad things No, here. no, That's we probably already have. Yeah, at some point. Mine but, is yeah. that the girlfriend I abandoned <laughs> to meet David Merkin. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, on the commentary, Ron Hauge, one of the writers, he talks about that this is co- he did kill a bird in a mm, similar way, right. unintentionally, or like of the trying to miss variety and not wanting to. But I love how extreme the crooked side is that the bil- bullet has to fully bend. Yeah, <laughs> it was a real magic bullet. Yeah, magic I love BB. That. Yeah, mm. that part so is trying to miss, and yet, uh, and then then when you hear crooked sight, that's such a good joke. Crooked sight, and it's why Nelson didn't stop him when he was so obviously yeah. pointing away from the bird. He's like, he knows about that crooked side. Yeah. God. And the, uh, I feel, you know, Bob is a bird owner. He has, yeah. he has a pet huh. parrot. I have been for about 20 years. So uh, all this bird violence here is oh, a you tough know, one in this it's, episode. It's easy to see the media hates birds. As Homer says, everybody hates birds. Sorry, one of Homer's uh, relatives says everybody hates birds. and shoots birds at the airport. No, wait. Yeah. Homer says it. There, he finally does. got it. Yes. Oh, when you meet all those weird other yeah. Simpsons. Okay. Um, but I, 
feel like uh, because they're distinctly non-mammal, it's more acceptable to present uh, violence, pr- to present violence against birds in media. Uh-huh. And uh, for some reason, I see more violence against birds on like the internet and, uh, and people think it's funny. I don't think it's funny, but I can see why like if Bart shot a cat or a dog, they could not go it's back from that. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I, I think uh, birds are expendable creatures in media to the point where if there is a episode about like, oh, so-and-so gets a bird, I'm like, okay, when's it going to die? Like second <laughs> act death, third act death, when's the bird going to die? <laughs> <laughs> and our friend Nina Matsumoto, she's a big Frasier freak. So we had her on for the Frasier episode, and she told oh. us to watch a few episodes. And one is where Niles gets a cockatoo, and I was like, that cockatoo is going to die. But it <laughs> yeah. didn't die. I was like, okay, so there's oh. a few instances where it doesn't happen. But <laughs> I, I've already been on my bird platform before. And, uh, Your perch. Yes. <laughs> it's... Uh... It's a good design, but I mean, a sad looking one, but the dead bird that they has like a few loose feathers on its chest to yeah. show that it's like the body's been damaged in the fall. Like that's also, I, I, that's a good design, I think. I think some of my dread in, in like how I describing seeing the phrase Bart the Mother like, like gave me this little dread feeling. I think some of it, obviously well, that we're getting the last full Arbit appearance, but also that there is all this bird violence. Yeah. And I yeah. forgot that at the end, it's like really. It's pretty uh, extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Plot wise, I like how they get to the gun and how it all works out, but I feel like there's no... there's no instance of this pigeon menace being uh, remarked upon at all. Yeah. Like one pigeon lands on a windowsill <laughs> in the episode, and then like with thirty seconds left, uh, Camp Rock's be like, "Of course, the pigeon menace that we're all suffering through." <laughs> yeah, why couldn't yeah. it have been the? Oh, I guess it can't. He can't have been taking care of a pigeon. Even like Nelson yeah. could have alluded to. He could have said like birds suck and then points point to, yeah. to some weird like uh, pigeon problem well, up on a telephone or like, pole or something i've been wasting <laughs> pigeons all month or sure, something like yeah, that yeah. like a drop line or something like that uh-huh yeah but i think that also shows you you talk about how comedies always kill birds this also shows you like if this was a blue jay deaths that all happen i think they'd be like no those are all too cute what's the least cute bird you yeah. can get away with and mm. they'd go with pigeon there's too much pigeon it. prejudice i will say that they are acceptable <laughs> uh, they are very expendable in media and i feel like they're no more diseased than any other animal that's in the wild this is mm-hmm. like and they're pretty smart and they can get around without feet no pigeons have feet their, their toes fall off after like the second year because city living is so harsh like this walk around on little knobs and they're fine <laughs> that's what that's how pigeons have to live yeah oh no yeah we do that pig- to them <laughs> the next time you see a pigeon in the city, like look at the feet. You'll, it's a tale of, of tragedy. Oh, yeah, no, speaking. it's like Nelson. They're a product of their <laughs> environment. Like they couldn't help it. Those are some of the best jokes in this. That they all, everybody acknowledges. Like, oh, Nelson has a horrible life. We will not fix it in any way. Like we have to exclude yeah, him more. It's a good little subversive. Like, yeah, yeah, I do like that. And this is also the second time in production season nine they do an octopusy joke. Oh like right, they, we'll see other one. Uh, Bart called Lisa octopusy when he turned around. In the chair, at kids oh news. yeah! Silence, octopusy, octopusy. At least puts an extra spin on it. Maybe they couldn't get away with saying pussy again in mm. the show. Maybe that was <laughs> one per season. Well, they have a they get away with titpecker later. In oh, titpecker! So. I, I laughed out loud. At it. Skinner saying titpecker. Uh, but yes, uh, we come back from the break. Marge is folding clothes. Homer is helping in the way that like Marge should know by now to not ask for help from Homer because he balls up socks by making them all an entire one ball of just socks. <laughs> uh, and we have a very loud scene, but you can hear like the echoes of the recording studio for Dan Castaneda <laughs> in this uh, shot. Here. I enjoy that. <laughs> I rolled up all the socks. <laughs> What's next? While I deal with this, why don't you start on that basket? All right. Oh, I hate folding sheets. That's your underwear. 
Well, whatever it is, it's a two-man job. Where's Bart? He's up in his room. Bart! It's okay, Marge. I'll get him. Bart! <laughs> what the heck's going on? We need Bart to help fold your father's underpants. <laughs> Where is he, anyway? Bart? Oh, uh, he went to play with a friend. He didn't go to Nelson's, did he? No, no. I'm pretty sure he's with Millhouse. Millhouse! What? <laughs> Tell Bart to come home! I think he's at Nelson's! Who's Nelson? <laughs> Nelson? I do, I do, I do enjoy Dan screaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's pushing. He's he's pushing the mics as loud as he can. There, I, incredibly good. Uh, meanwhile, uh, like Pamela Hayden, she it's tough to yell in yeah. the millhouse voice. She's she's doing a good job, but that's a tough voice to yell in. I think How these they're all able to do that and then to uh, sing it as all of these characters is very impressive. That's yeah. why they pay in the big bucks. Well, not yet, but they will pay in the big bucks by the end of the season when they renegotiate their contract. Oh, I, that's I feel when like that happened when Julie Kavner was suckered into playing. Marge on Tracy Ellman. She had no idea how much singing she'd be doing for the next 30 years. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. Pick a voice that you can yeah. sing full, like, musical level like, uh, many octave, lots of variants. It's uh, great to hear a verse with just Marge singing, like, wow, she's doing it in that voice. Yeah, God. <laughs> uh, and for this one joke, Homer has boxers, but normally the jokes are the tidy whiteies that he, he wears. Mm-hmm. Like, the do- like just a couple episodes ago, that dog was scarred for life smelling his underwear in mm. the uh, Natural Born Kisser episode. Yeah, I think The Simpsons made Tidy Whitey's the comedy underpants, no longer the mm-hmm. polka dot or heart, uh, you know, stencil boxers. I think boxers. heart polka dots, uh, I think those are back now. I want I want to mm. see those in cartoons again. <laughs> I'm trying to bring them back. We had heart boxers in, in Moonbeam City oh, because okay. we had a theme park right. stunt show and like, <laughs> they're going to have heart boxers in there. I, um, that, was, that was the whole like arc of the characters that he was shamed by having to be like, hey, those heart boxers. That's why he became a villain. <laughs> oh, actually, in the first episode of Moonbeam City, you got one of the first jokes is killing a bird, isn't it? He, oh, you're right. He shoots mm. a bird. Oh my god, I, I totally forgot that. What is Scott doing on this podcast? Oh no, yeah, you didn't know you let a, a bird, uh, a bird abuser into your, uh, your temporary home. It was animated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fake. No, no, no birds were armed in the making of this cartoon. Well, the sound effect wasn't good enough. He had to kill a real bird to get the right squad. <laughs> oh yes, we it. did. Yeah. yeah, it just wouldn't sound. That right. was the foley department, not you. I had to crunch it myself. I don't know. I wanted to. I had to be a hands-on showrunner. <laughs> which which, which kind of bird should we crush? <laughs> we went through a few. Uh, and, uh, you know, to compliment the animation of this one, there was a good... I liked the shot of when Lisa is lying on Bart's behalf... The, it's kind of a down shot on Lisa that you know it's from Marge and Homer's perspective oh, yeah. looking down on her instead of just like a flat angle. I, I liked that. I feel like in other episodes later they just said, I'm like, eh, she can just deliver these lines on a flat shape. Why, why change perspective on it? Oh, sure. Hmm. And then Homer, uh, his punishment of Lisa was making her, her go get him a beer and some food at the mm-hmm. Quickie Mart, which mm-hmm. uh, I think by now she just has Apu's trust and he'll just, he'll, he will give her beers for Homer. He, <laughs> he can try trust her to not drink them. I feel like that was a thing in America maybe up through the 80s where you could conceivably go and pick your parents up beer with a note. <laughs> I, I heard like Dana Gould talking about that. That's really? crazy. Yeah, that's yeah. Wow. And I think my parents would talk like that's a thing that they would do for their parents wow. like go pick up beer for them. More trusting world 
world back then. Yeah. I, I'm jealous of all the scams people could uh, do then. Now it's so hard to do a scam. It's, there's too much information out there. <laughs> no who's who's. And then uh, as Bart is thinking about his bird death, he then imagines bird court, which is like the only kind of like um, fantastical moment in the, yeah. the whole episode. Yeah. But I, I do enjoy any joke where it's basically what is happening while this character is imagining something. Oh, yeah. And in this case, Nelson is slapping him because he got bored. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah. The yeah. thing that snaps you back to reality or, yeah, like, does something tie into the fantasy or, like, I just rewatched. It's still so funny that the under the sea sequence ending and realizing Homer's <laughs> up on the couch. Yeah. Having done it. Uh, uh, so. they, they did the joke so many times, but I always laugh at a scene where someone is having a fantasy or remembering something and they cut back and people are staring silently at a person thinking about something like that joke, like Marge imagining the six million dollar man, and they're just looking at her as she has her eyes closed. <laughs> oh, it's that so little funny sound! Call, yeah, yeah, yeah just so one funny. more. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for bird court. Hey, leave it alone. Okay, okay. Don't kill me, killer. Don't call me that. Relax, Simpson. It was either him or you. No court would convict you. Bart Simpson, do you know why you've been summoned before this tribunal? Yes, sir. Because I killed an innocent bird. (gasps) Dear Lord, we just wanted you to put fresh newspaper on the tribunal floor. We're knee-deep in our own droppings. It's disgusting. (laughs) But since you've confessed to bird slaughter, we have no choice but to peck your face off. No, not the face. What are you doing? I got bored, so I started slapping you. That's a good uh, Toucan Sam that Dan Castellano yeah. is doing. I love yeah. that fancy voice he gives him. Yeah, which... Uh, I think it was like Toucan Sam, a parody of James Mason. Oh, oh I, I guess so. I got bored. <laughs> oh, I forgot that's what the real Toucan Sam sounded like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I haven't heard him talk in a million years in commercials. Yeah, his his nephews really took over that, Ugh, that whole yeah. commercial franchise. <laughs> the, the serial mascot that disappointed me the most losing him, well, it was losing the... Other chefs next to Wendell at Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I liked it when it was three chefs. Uh. And and also when uh, the dog took over for Cookie Crisp and it was no longer the uh, the bandit. Like, it was a werewolf, right? Yeah. Uh, well, then the werewolf came later. So okay. first it was the bandit versus the cop. Well, actually, before that it was a wizard, but that was before I was born. And so Cookie Crisp wizard, then the cop and robber story. And the robber was always trying to steal Cookie Crisp, and he the cop would catch him. And he was Irish. And then he was. <laughs> and then the thief got a dog sidekick, and then the dog just took it over. And then the werewolf came in, and they just dropped all of the thievery of, of Cookie Crisp. Well, they landed on the dog going, Cookie Crisp. It's like, uh, oh, can a werewolf do that? Sure. <laughs> Werewolves are better. Have him do it. I guess it does make more sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what deep, it's a wire level of mythology. <laughs> what brought us to the current Cookie Crisp arrangement? <laughs> I, uh, I also like the gag that... They really didn't know Bart did anything wrong. They just wanted him to clean up bird shit. Like, that's all it was. <laughs> and then they're like, well, crap, now that you've admitted to murder, we have to peck you. To, which, that's pretty bad bird court, that they just execute you instantly in bird court. In the courtroom. <laughs> yeah, in the courtroom, yeah. It's kind of a, the not my face is sort of a, a callback to the, also the uh, lemon of Troy. Yeah. Not in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Put bugs in his mouth. Is what the kid would say. <laughs> <Is what? laughs> Marge pulls 
up right then, and I love that Nelson thinks that he's going to take her home and yeah. give him stability in his life. A nice sad joke. Uh, a real home. Yeah. That it shows you again of like, boy, Nelson could have turned out all right. Oh, well. It's weird that Bart wants to hang out with Nelson so much when he's physically beaten Bart like 80 times at this point. Like he is, <laughs> he is savagely beaten Bart <laughs> so much. And also tried to, not too long ago, he led a group of other students to murder Bart, Lisa, and Milhouse on an island. Mm. Like, he did say he was sorry for that, but... Well, uh, Mo, co- Mo counseled all of them when he picked them up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let's say <laughs> they had a long drive or flight or whatever it was. He <laughs> eased all the tension. <laughs> and then there was a there's a cute little joke that Marge is trying to see what's behind him and cats are eating the bird. Yeah. Bart's, I do like, he's like, cats like me. That's, that's funny. And then the cat jumps on him. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yes, then it's basically the same scene from Marge Be Not Proud of Marge saying, like, why? Just do what you want. I can't even punish you anymore. It doesn't do anything like that. Mm. Very, very similar of Bart being heartbroken by disappointment instead of uh, punishment. Bird court in general is kind of similar to how do we bring this thing to life visually the way that the, in Marge Be Not Proud, there's the fantasy yeah. sequences and the, 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 uh, the chair and the... The Just like the, the video game into Don Oh, that too. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking of the video game characters. Oh, yeah, yeah the, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little like, how do we get outside of this sort of contained, very mm. human story and do something yeah, visual? Like, we are a cartoon. Let's do a cartoon thing. Because sure. up until the lizards at the end, I guess so much of this episode could be done in a live action show. Like it's it's very grounded for Simpsons plots. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, Marge is disappointed. She just abandons Bart at Nelson's place, and then. Uh, Bart sees that Nelson is like pan frying a carrot. That's While humming weird, the Simpsons theme. That's really weird that he's humming the Simpsons oh, theme. Yeah. Till I was getting clips for this and heard it by itself. I was like, oh yeah, he's humming the theme song for the TV show he's in. That's really odd. Maybe, I wonder if he was thum- humming a different song and they couldn't get the rights. Yeah, I, I think uh, they ran into problems when they would have to ask. So like, I guess Bart did a lot of humming and whistling in the past. And mm-hmm. when they would ask Nancy Cartwright to just make something up, they would often find out, oh, this is actually a song that we have to clear. <laughs> So oh, no. then I guess they would just hum the the, uh, the Simpsons theme instead. Mm. <laughs> just Rolling Stones songs every time. <laughs> and uh, then Bart sees that he uh, left some eggs in there. That so these these he knows now these eggs are going to die without their mother. I do like how Bart gets. He tries to wash away any guilt he has of like there was an incident yeah. <laughs> a very uh, political way of talking about a death he yeah. caused for sure a Bart uh, Jason incident <laughs> <laughs> but then he, he takes the blame for it and picks like, just picks up that nest and walks it straight to the library for our final Troy McClure appearance. yeah with here, the here same uh, Billy from someone's in the kitchen with DNA yeah that ends on just like a hanging line that <laughs> yeah. explains nothing yeah, kind of like a yeah, he's this blue, angular-haired, uh, kind of a strange-looking kid. Big forehead. But you, yeah. this, the dread that I was talking about, if this is the last film, when it cut to the library, I flashed mm. to how I felt at 13 and going yeah. like, oh, this has to be him watching the video. This is going to be it. it. I really, it took me to this weird place. Like, oh, God, it's my last yeah. like, new Troy McClure I'm ever going to see is this same. Yeah, I think I had that same feeling, too, uh, or similar, because I know when this came out, like, I was reading any news story about it I could like in the newspaper or on the young internet uh-huh. and I know there were interviews that like with Grading Gabe where he clarified like this is the last one we recorded this before he died and we're going to play it this is it though and so <laughs> I definitely went in 
into it knowing like they didn't have any more recorded. There wouldn't yeah. be more of it. I think so, I just yeah. watched this episode filled with dread, waiting for when <laughs> is he going to talk for the last time? Uh, just yeah. And yeah. There is a little uh, bit at the end where it feels like a retake where they made him smile. Like I don't think that beat of him mm. pausing and smiling was there before. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, you know what? That makes a lot of sense to me. Like they had to give him this nice little like glowing and this kind of a. It's it's in the film score worlds, but or like a film strip soundtrack world, but like that that little dun dun dun, this little fanfare. Hmm. It does yeah. feel like they they tried to carve out a nice little goodbye. Because because another like this Troy, it's also just a little disappointing because this this is funny but hardly like the best Troy McClure scene. So yeah. it kind of brings you down that it's like ah, it's not his best stuff as his last one, but it's, it's a tad perfunctory. This one's a little yeah. bit like I need to know how I need to know real information about birds. <laughs> how do we get it out? Uh, yeah, and, and this is, that's how they do it. And that's why the, the smile feels like a late addition, like a retake addition, because they've had multiple ones before this end with Troy not having any answers and the abrupt, it's a much more abrupt cut at the end for comedy's sake. It makes it less funny if he, when he says, it sure is. And then they take a beat. Like mm-hmm. the, I think the comedy, at least their comedy instincts more would have been like, it sure is. Dun, da, 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 da. Like it would have gone straighter yeah. to it. You're like waiting for a joke that isn't there. Tremicler was not always he, like, I probably, I think like 30% of his appearances were film strips. Maybe it like, <laughs> yeah. wasn't always, he was maybe more often in a movie or an infomercial or something. And so it does feel like kind of a pale copy of the, maybe the best Troy McClure moment, the meat factory. That is the best yeah. short. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's probably of all the ones that you could just like pull out and like show as a sketch outside of yeah. the show. Uh, it has the most jokes, I think, and the best jokes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and the most like awkward, the best like awkward editing, and tells a real like truth about the horror of how animals are treated in these places. <laughs> yeah, this one does feel a little underwritten. You're right. Yeah, I mean, but as always, Phil Hartman made it funny. Yes, because yeah. he is a, such a pro. Let's soak it in, listeners. <laughs> Here we go. Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such nature films as Earwigs, Ooh, and Man vs. Nature, The Road to Victory. In all the animal kingdom, no mother is more devoted than the Blue Jay. Valuing her eggs above even her own life, the mother bird bravely fights off such fearsome predators as the badger and the mongoose. Of course, one thing Mother Blue Jay can't defend against is a set of steel tongs. Eggs, precious <laughs> eggs. If they're to survive, they require the gentle warmth and tender love that only a mother can provide. Or better yet, a 75-watt bulb. Oh, hello. In a few days, our eggs will hatch into nestlings like these over here. They look awfully hungry, Mr. McClure. They sure are, Billy. In nature, their mother would regurgitate food for them to eat. That's gross. <laughs> it sure is, Billy. It sure is. Oh, yeah, so great. The the too loud, insincere laugh at Billy's <laughs> observation, I do really get a chuckle out of that. My favorite is that he does a completely unneeded, oh, hello, a second yeah. time. Like, that That maybe is my favorite <laughs> joke. Or his delivery of, like, 
eggs, precious eggs. Like it, <laughs> it's just intense, kind of. Yeah, he's uh, like trying to. Troy is trying to mine something interesting out of this very dry area, and he really did steal those eggs from that blue jay. Like he did, he's yeah. destroyed that. Like that's actually animal abuse to steal <laughs> those eggs from a blue jay like that. I think that was a rare non-Lisa Yardley Smith playing the uh, blue jay. Going, uh, oh, that was. <laughs> it sounded like her. Uh, okay, oh, interesting. Uh, uh. You know, it's unfortunate on the commentary. I think they didn't want to be. They never want to just be just sad about Troy McClure. There's other times where they talk about Phil Hartman and somebody goes like, oh, and then David Merkin goes like, come on, let's have fun, guys. <laughs> oh, nice. So I think on this one, it feels like beforehand they said, let's not be sad about Phil Hartman. Let's just, you know, sure, let's sure, have a sure. nice time. That's good. But so they don't get too much into choices they made for his final scene or, you know, any production stuff on what they did. Pro- I right. mean, why would you want to remember that about uh, the good friend you worked with for years who got murdered? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I yeah. think you're right on about that, like adding a nice little let's make this the the goodbye that moment for me it just made me smile which is also too bad because in the in first viewing up to now the joke afterwards where bart's notes includes the word billy like that's a funny joke but you can't even think about it like yeah you can recover it all in this episode after seeing that you're definitely not noticing a joke that comes right after the last word you're ever going to hear phil hartman say yeah 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 i uh oh man it's, yeah i i i think the rest of the episode i like tuned out watching it at, <laughs> at, at 13 like i Poor man. I'm done. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. And you're just kind of like, you're just meditating on that for a while. I always think, you know what I think is nice is how there's a there's SNL things here and there where they still use his voice. Like if Christopher Walken yeah. does the Continental, they still mm, will you're use. Right. But there's been other, or like uh, if Dana Carvey does church chat they use and now church chat they like leave him as the voice in the things yeah, that Yeah or the his. Wayne's World ones too and oh, yeah, whenever yeah. they do Wayne's World he does the they still play his intro to it Rural, um, Illinois Community uh, Acts Oh man there's a bunch of these yeah. now that we mm. say yeah yeah that's a nice Cuz his voice is the perfect announcer and uh, voice. deep thoughts Yeah and deep, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah yeah god so many yeah all of these are just like those are like then he's not even in the sketches yeah. these are like <laughs> just little mi- but how much he was the voice of so much he was a signal that you were going to see some great comedy mm-hmm. even if he wasn't mm-hmm. in it i have some, <sighs> just so much fondness for that voice in that man yeah yeah, yeah that's uh, some lizard stuff yeah, <laughs> I do. well i i it also felt like a very futurama i don't feel too much of david cohen in this one a ton but the pulling up of the predators right off screen and putting them in the face of yeah. the Jay, that mm-hmm. does feel like the kind of more like magical gags in Futurama of just pulling a thing from behind your back. There was there was yeah. one line that we skipped by that I thought was very Cohen-y where like in Futurama, I think a trademark of his writing is just like a character will make a sharp linguistic turn in their sentence that oh, won't make yeah, any yeah. sense. Where Marge is like, I don't know, I, I think Marge says, I don't want to know what Bart's doing and I'm going to find out. <laughs> That's right. It yeah. feels like a yeah. very like Fry would say that sort of line. That tell you're, yeah. you're totally right. Mm, sure, yeah. sure, I see that. Uh, but Bart gets his needed information from this, so it is a very plot focused one too. I think this might be the most informative Troy McClure has ever been either. <laughs> Genuinely, yeah, it's not yeah. wrong headed. It's not like that picture of the food chain, and it's all <laughs> everything's pointed at humans. Yeah, yeah it's or, kind of genuinely. Uh, 
Get a bulb. He tells him the amount of watts he should have in the bulb that he gets. And it it does save birds. Like, it actually helps them. And the regurgitation thing, too, is all true, which I felt like every show did regurgitation gags then, too. It was like every comedy writer learned that fact about birds and lets them do vomit jokes on kids' cartoons. They really did, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But that's it for Troy. See you later, Troy. uh, But uh, lizards, right? Yeah. uh, Always remember him. Yes. Uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll never forget. Never forget. But then Bart walks away and there's a little gag that like Lovejoy has been renting the same Bible all the time, which like I feel like you get free Bible. You can't not get free Bibles in America. <laughs> he, he's just not going to the right places for it. Though I guess he's very impoverished. Uh, <laughs> Reverend Lovejoy is. around church. Yeah. We do get all his money on trains. <laughs> <laughs> we do get a one of three Homer falling down the stairs yeah. uh, <laughs> gags, which I really like in this episode. They're really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is more limited animation to not show it, but I kind of, I like the, the letting Dan Castellaneta's noises write the scene for you. You can just see his pain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's very good at vocalizing <laughs> different ty- and how many episodes has he had to try to do, find like new flavors of <laughs> Homer pain? It's just, pretty just falling down the stairs alone. There's been several <laughs> scenes to date. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He jokes too that no matter how many times he has screamed, he's like, well, no, they need a new recording of a scream for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Bart, though, he's, he's working on He's he's working on helping the eggs, and he's even giving him a little talking to. Hey, fellas, good news. I found an extra 75-watt bulb lying around. (laughs) Check it out, guys. I've been working on this regurgitation thing. Oh, yeah. Hope you like Pop-Tarts. I think I'll call you Chirpy Boy. And you, Bart Jr. And you can call me Mother. No, wait, that sounds kind of fruity. Just call me Mom. Uh, I forgot that Homer starts whistling and walking again, so it sounds like he landed perfectly on his feet from the fall and then just resumes walking. Also, that Bart knows it's fruity to call mother, but mom is okay. I, I like that too. Oh, well, yeah. Weird internal logic. We get a little like um, montage of Bart helping the bird, and uh, it's it's just a little too cutesy. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, there it's, are. I mean, the only joke in it is Homer flying on the stairs again with like carrying bowling balls. Three this time. bowling balls yeah. down the stairs. Um, yeah. Wait, I think maybe you feel them trying to find where are the jokes. So, like, this works as a story, but yeah. what, are, what are the hard laughs in it. I wrote, I wrote mm. down, it almost feels like a, it's almost a little season one, two in a way, mm. because it is like, there's emotion to it and it's more story than mm. yeah. hard. There's no comment. B plot or anything to distract from this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I saw the fact on the Wikipedia that it was potentially intended to be a B plot, but they couldn't really figure out what to pair it with and mm. ended up yeah. being an A plot. Well, originally Cohen thought of it as like Homer cares for birds at the plant and oh. then they decided in Instead, it would be, you know, it'd be more heartfelt to make it a Mar- Bart and Marge thing than a Homer silly thing. And mm. yeah, so it, it changed quite a lot. They also had a funny gag they uh, that Cohen said he, but I just remembered he mentioned on the commentary that got cut that was... Bart gets known around school for as a killer. And so someone, I forget who it was, but he says that somebody tries to hire him to kill database. That like, <laughs> was it Macarena? <laughs> I like that. That's a funny yeah. They could have gone to darker places with it. Too, yeah. But yeah. They, uh, uh, but yes, after Bart has been caring for the birds for some amount of time uh, up in his uh, classic treehouse, Marge and Homer are wondering what's up. What do you think he's doing up there? I don't know. Drug lab? 
Drug lab? We're reading comic books. What am I, Kreskin? You tell me what he's doing. I don't know, and I don't want to know. And I'm going to find out. That's the line. Yeah. Oh, my good gray extension cord. Oh, no. I gotta keep these warm. Bart, stop whatever you're doing and come down here. Can't right now. Come back later. Oh, I'll come back later. How's this for later? Mom, listen. Why are you sitting like that? What are you hiding this time? <laughs> Eggs? That bird I killed was their mother. I don't want her babies to die, too. No, you're right, Scott. That is line for line. The end of almost yeah. like she's like, oh, "Why yeah. did you steal this like, time? Let me see that. Yeah. Show it yeah, to me now." Yeah, right. Oh well, I did here. I wanted to give it to you now, or I wanted to save it for later. Oh, I love you so much, but like, but the emotionality's not there as much. Yeah. Either. Like, well, I mean, now that I know what happens, well, I don't yes. really buy into the emotionality of the story as much. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Though there's a couple lines in the third act that still sort of keep the Bart and March. Yeah. Thing. Entirely yeah. drop it, but yeah, this I mean, this basically this confused me as a kid too when I saw this. That I thought, like, well, wait, it's over. Mar- Marge forgave Bart, but I know there's 10 minutes left. What what else is going on? Yeah, and that's really where it kind of goes off the road. <laughs> also, I use that Kreskin line at the beginning, and I'm a little like that's a pretty like comedy writer y reference. Like, <laughs> yeah. well, I barely remember what I don't know. Me as a 13 year old, like, maybe sort of, I was a weird enough 13 year old, maybe I knew what Kreskin was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Carson was off the air for like six years at that point. Yeah. So yeah. was that, that what Kreskin or he no, was no the amazing Kreskin Karnak. Oh, I'm thinking of Karnak. Carson. I'm sorry. Kreskin was the real guy. He's probably based yeah. on yeah. Kreskin. See, yeah. I, I know the parody more than I do the actual guy. It's Things a, that are like that, where you know the sketch but not the original <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. That's uh at the day we recorded this, Ross Perot died, and that's what I was mainly seeing that only people remember sketches. They do not remember things Ro- the real Ross Perot did. Oh yeah. That was so hey. To bring up Phil Hartman again, I remember when that got when yeah. Stockdale, the running mate, died. Uh, people were probably thought of that. And I not... just know him saying gridlock. <laughs> yeah, Phil Hartman gridlock. saying it. like a caveman. Yeah, Kreskin's still alive. Why am I here? Eighty-four. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> the amazing. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. good at living. Outlived Ross Perot. <laughs> <laughs> There's also kind of a weird shot, like in composition, that when they're looking out the window, the like bar on the window cuts off Marge's necklace perfectly, and she looks just naked without a necklace on yeah, it's weird it's it's just odd framing that uh, it just seems like a, an odd framing choice but i i did like right before that when bart gets the cat wet and then the cat shakes off on the dog and the dog shakes off on homer and homer's mm. shaking off water animation i did like that but they get the emotionality out of the way in act two to then go to crazy town in act three <laughs> yeah. but they're seeing that the birds were starting to hatch or the the eggs i should say uh so they take them inside it's honestly it, this is a joke that was i thought a little too cutesy that they were keeping them warm with pies that Marge was continually baking. She has all these lines in here that are just so like mom lines of like all Marge can do is bake pies. 
that she is so domestic that she knows about her good gray extension cord as opposed to the yeah. other cord. Although it does lead to Homer going to eat two pies in the basement. I do oh, yes. And yeah. then falling down the stairs like for the a, last one. It's a really like, expected uh, return. That's the one, yeah, I didn't see it coming. It's like, where where is he going to eat the pies? And, the, and then he goes to the basement to eat the pies. Uh, though there's a time cut, too, when he's eating his second pie that then when it comes back, there's like four empty pie tins. So Homer has eaten quite a lot of pies in this afternoon. Uh, they, they are watching them hatch. We also learned the fact of Bart's birth. It isn't discontinuity. Sometimes I note if it's like, oh, this is discontinuity with the previous episode. But when Bart is born in when uh, I Married Marge, Homer, we don't see when she goes into labor. It's Homer gets the job at the power plant from Burns, then goes to the Bouvier home, meets Marge's mom, and she's like, she's at the hospital already, so let's go. And then Homer gets there. So if he doesn't remember how long it was, partially it's because he wasn't there okay. for most of it. I could see that. So, I forgot yeah. those were the circumstances. Yeah. <laughs> no discontinuity alert on this episode. Uh, yeah. We're safe. We're safe. Nobody Relax. Needs, <laughs> no one needs to be fired for that blunder this time. <laughs> uh, but yes, they, they are intently watching eggs. Why is this taking so long? Bart was born in about five minutes. Actually, it took 53 hours. <laughs> really? Well, the time just flew by, didn't it? <laughs> Everybody come quick, they're hatching. Hmm? <gasps> I see a foot. I see an eye. I see a neck. I see a horn. A horn? Lizards, they yeah, be. Lizards. I think uh, up to this point in my first viewings of the, all the Simpsons, like this had to be the most huh inducing act break I ever had as a kid. Of like, mm -hmm. what's the what? Yeah. Where didn't, are we didn't going see it coming. The story, yeah. the story seemed over, frankly. Yeah. Like, yeah, oh, Bart, so. Bart saved birds, made up for the bird that he killed, mm -hmm. and now there are lizards. So if they were going to zig instead of zag, if that was their plan, then, I mean, having lizards hatch out of bird eggs definitely is a surprise. Like, it is mm. counter to what you expect. Whether it's the best writing, that's, you know, <laughs> that you can argue about that. But it's definitely not expected. You got to give them that. Sure. But yeah, it's just sort of like... I think it's just maybe this is all stacked weird. Like the emotion would be stronger if the the Marge Bart confrontation happened more in Act Three, mm -hmm. and then it was this weird addendum that it was lizards rather than it being a full act of let's deal with that it's the lizards. Okay, if it's about like Bart being irresponsible and then realizing he needs to be, he did this crime and now he's got to take care of the babies, and then the advancement of that is they're lizards. And as we continue, it'll we'll go well. So what is learned from? I guess he kept caring for the it's we're, I don't think we're telling one story here this is like this weird other and Bart is sort of like a hypocrite at the end too like yeah, because yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like but, Lisa points out like this is weird well and also Skinner has to show up to be the villain of Act 3 which yeah. is not in any of the rest of the episode <laughs> yeah. I love any good Skinner stuff but he's funny in this Yes, yeah, yeah, that is true, but it is odd. It's, it doesn't, he doesn't fit. He's yeah. the, he's like a, uh, he's similar to like the, the, uh, the Ghostbusters, like the uh, EPA yeah. guy, or I forget the yeah, specific, yeah. but he's like, Peck. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's Peck in this, but it's a man, a guy we know who's usually always his principal. And now wait on top of it, this once he is the, <laughs> uh, by the books leader of the very restrictive birds. 
society. Yeah. It's a little bizarre. To he's come the principal out of, of uh, birds too. He's yeah. also his jurisdiction also includes it, birds. It has a whiff of the late '90s. Uh, environmentalism is actually kind of stupid and bad, and environmentalists oh, yeah. are hypocrites because <laughs> these people want to kill the lizards. It doesn't really, you know, dig into that, but there's a, like a whiff of that. I, I get a little flavor yeah. of that there, yeah. But well, when they come back from the break. Bart and Lisa argue over whether they're birds or lizards. Bart says, Ixo Fetso, which they kind of guiltily on the commentary go, like, that's just an Archie Bunker line. Yeah, <laughs> that's that. true. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the, the Homer says that they should uh, decide how who's right by kickboxing, and then Marge cancels that, and then uh, Homer then does his next fall, which, in my memory, when he falls down... He eat, he starts eating the pies, but it just stops. So yeah. I was like, no, this he should land and then keep eating the pies from the ground. I, I thought he was going to based on yeah. how he kept whistling when he hit the ground last time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was kind of shocked it was well, it was not there. <laughs> uh, but yes, they head to the Springfield Bear Watching Society where the pecking order is strictly enforced, <laughs> as the sign yeah. gag says. Skinner is uh, quite happy to see these lizards. <laughs> Now, uh, people, there's been some confusion about our bird sighting rules. You cannot count birds that you've seen at the zoo, on stamps, or in dreams. Well, I'm back to square one. Mm. My God, a pigeon. That's the last bird on my list. <laughs> so long, suckers. Excuse me, can you tell us what kind of birds these are? They hatch from eggs I found in a nest. <clears throat> Good heavens! I'm very glad you brought those in, Bart. I'll just get those killed and you can be on. <laughs> Wait! What the heck are you doing? My civic duty, that's what. Bolivian tree lizard? Mm-hmm. It's a vicious oviraptor. It feasts on bird eggs and lays its own eggs in the nest. The unsuspecting mother bird cares for them until the babies hatch and devour her, too. <laughs> what a chump! It's already wiped out the dodo, the cuckoo, and the nene. <laughs> it has nasty plans for the booby, the titmouse, the woodcock, and the titpecker. Oh, <laughs> Titpecker's not a real yeah. bird. Like I, I had to look that. I, at least according to Google, they they just made up one to say and titpecker. The nene is threatened, but not uh, yeah. extinct. I bet it was. I think it used to be on endangered, and now it's down to the the level right below that. Apparently, yeah. it's a state bird of Hawaii. I did not know that until okay. looking this up. But yeah, this is based on uh, real life species of birds, like the cuckoo and the cowbird. Mm. Uh, they will lay their eggs in other birds' nests and then kick the other eggs out, so their babies are raised by other birds. Mm. Oh, it's and, real syndrome. Yeah, so the word cuckoo has cuck in it. That's no coincidence. Oh, Those that, birds are getting I, cucked. Oh, my God. It's derived from. Well, you talk about those Futurama kind of turns and dialogue, too. Just like, I'm very glad you brought these here. I'll have them killed for you right yeah. now. Like, that is also a very quick turn. Professor. Yeah, and also the, the anti-environmentalism thing. These This bit here really reminds me of, like, the Poplars episode or the oil drilling in Alaska episode of Futurama. They all make fun of conservation before sort of agreeing with it. Yeah. But yeah. And they have to be uh, disposed of as quickly and gruesomely as possible. Like it's at a power <laughs> drill. I love that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah but uh, there's also the Scully era is the era of so long suckers. Like people say suckers all the time yeah. in the uh, show. Uh. And, Jasper, we see the one pigeon that represents yeah. this uh, pigeon menace. Though I also a chance to plant it a little more. Yeah. 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 They, they could have gone harder. Somebody should have said, oh, you, well, it's I thought it, now I think it's a gag that like 
Jasper somehow the last one he saw was a pigeon, which like those are the ones that are everywhere. And yeah, you always see them. I also like that Mo just tears his thing, but it's kind of a weird animation thing where he tears it in half from the center instead of that it like stays on his neck. It's just mm. it's kind of strange to me. I it feels choice. like an animation uh, yeah. goof him up. I think this also this is where we start having like I feel like in another era of Simpsons they would have like invented a bunch of new bird watching characters and what is the weird quality. Yeah. Yeah. The bird watchers, and now yeah. it's Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns does not belong. <laughs> he gets a few good lines. Well, each person there says a line, so yeah. nobody's there like um, uselessly. But yeah, you're right. Instead of making up a funny bird society, they're just, I mean, if you're talking about like cutting corners or saving time on the show, just put in your regular cast of people and you don't have to design new characters or, or take time with that, you know? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it seems like they could have like, you know, in the way that like, okay, we have, we need a bunch of nerds or mm-hmm. like the, you know, like, like where database comes from. No, um, yeah. In season four, they would have just asked like, Dan, can you make up a new crazy voice for the guy who runs the bird yeah. watching society? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that's just a sea change in how production goes. I think Scully was more like, what? Uh, what character that we already know and love could do this thing. Yeah, like, I mean, Krusty yeah. could have been there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised he wasn't. The reveal that those lizards were going to kill that bird anyway is also an absolving of Bart's guilt a little bit, too. Yeah. yeah. By killing that bird... All he did was kill it earlier than the hatched eggs would have done when it would have torn her in probably like a more humane death Bart's yeah, kill, that's I true. suppose. Oh, wait, but, yeah. Like a, a shot in the back of the head, essentially, <laughs> where it's over in an instant instead of a gruesome devouring, yeah. which of which we then see later in the episode. Bart causes many <laughs> more gruesome devourings. And wow, that's I, true. Yeah. That is a weird... That's, that's a very big hole in this. Yeah. I, I never... Well, also, and I never thought about uh, until this viewing of, like, Phil Harmon's last episode, when you're thinking about his tragic death, is one filled with, like, gunshot deaths and, like, yeah. tearing people apart. I like, never thought about, yeah, the gun thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the gun thing especially. It's Oof. like... Yeah. I guess that's why they uh, they didn't leave in the in memory of after the bird gets devoured. Mm-hmm. There, there was one of those upon the original airing, right? Oh, uh, It went yeah. straight from a bird being eaten by lots of lizards to in memory of Phil Hartman. Did they yes. have one of those? <laughs> they did, yeah. yeah that's like yeah. pretty fucking weird. I, I've seen the picture. It is, you know, white font on black and then a picture of Lionel Hutz and a picture of Troy. Yeah. Troy from this episode and it says, in loving memory of our friend... Phil Hartman. I mean, didn't Trash of the Titans end with Linda McCartney? Like, it after did, all the garbage yeah. and, like, poop jokes, <laughs> yes, there's a picture yeah. of Linda McCartney? I think it is that Burns calls you two wankers. Oh, yeah. And then it goes straight to In Memory of Linda McCartney. <laughs> I guess it's hard. Probably a lot of comedy shows, it is hard to do uh, an in Actually, uh, uh, Breaking Bad, I feel like, had a lot of in-memoriams as it went, and it's always after some horrible fucked up thing yeah. happens. And then, in memory of our the real person we knew, <laughs> and we died. It's a, it's a hard area to... Well, when they keep casting like seventy-year-old men in their show, they're just they're they're asking for trouble there. (laughs) But in the case of Archer, the joke was the character was always like horribly abused and beaten, and so and it's like in memory of this guy uh, who who played Woodcrest. It's just like, gee, (laughs) (laughs) I remember all that elder abuse jokes, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny in general, like having to say goodbye to Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, two big pieces of shit. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) awful men. 
biggest Marshall Wall, you know, like oh, that th- they had to like have Bart say, "I'll miss you, Mrs. Krabappel." Like yeah. he, they, he hated her. Yeah, she was mean and smoked cigarettes <laughs> and bitter. And uh, in that one, they gave her a true last scene. Like that one, they in a similar way they had like posthumous recordings they hadn't used yet. With Marsha Wallace, it was like a dance, a scene where she's at a dance with Ned, mm-hmm. and then they reuse it the scene to be a dream that Ned was having of being at a dance with Edna, and then he's oh. he's got a black armband on and like oh i miss you and then nelson gives him a ha ha and then goes i miss her too and then it just ends like and so i never saw that they they do a more explicit send-off using her voice than they do in this show but i mean they'd be even weirder if they're just if if after that scene bart's like it was nice seeing that after troy mcclure died or whatever like that would (laughs) i wouldn't have liked that at all no he was so uh, just barely a part of their actual lives when he (laughs) married uh, selma yes yeah (laughs) strange well yeah Uh, simpsons and memoriams how do you even begin to deal with it it's it's a weird Give him We're gonna see for, more and more of them as time goes on. Right, well, yeah, and when they blow up Apu in a truck, uh, <laughs> they, they just—I think they really have taken a vow of silence on Apu. That's that's their approach now. <laughs> it's just you don't talk about. It. Though there is, there's kind of a funny Apu scene here. I do like the. Oh yeah. 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 Uh-huh. They reveal that he brought in the Bolivian tree lizards. That me and Bob were just talking about this because we went to a Seven Eleven and they're, how fake their donuts are. Um, and I love that these donuts are shipped in from Bolivia. Bolivia. Of all places, and it's just loose donuts and styrofoam. Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a funny vision. Impossibly expensive to make donuts. And my favorite drawing in the episode, too, is the logo of the Bolivian donut place that it's like a llama or alpaca or whatever, like smelling donuts. It's such a (laughs) weird drawing. But yes, Apu does not admit that he caused this ecological thing. And we're also talking about when the show's repeating itself. This is the bullfrogs in Australia again, too. Like, they've also done ecological threats of an invading species. Yeah, there, too. It like, did feel like the uh, the bullfrog thing from Barb vs. Australia. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be a negative Nancy. Yeah. All these things of like, oh, they did this before, but this is so similar, too. But in that episode, you saw, like, scenes of the bullfrogs being a nuisance after yeah. Bart leaves the one in the fountain at the mm-hmm. airport. Also, they didn't end with bullfrogs eating a kangaroo to death or something. <laughs> they didn't do that it's almost as if television series aren't meant to run for upwards of 30 years no <laughs> it's almost no. as if you might begin to start repeating yourself <laughs> that is where i can't like it's hard for me to go yeah these writers and they gave up and got lazy like i, I imagine anyone working on season 37 <laughs> of it like what would you what would you do it's not like snl where there's always new sketch idea yeah. like you're mm-hmm. you ultimately have to service homer and marge and how many things can a character do you know and, and you can't go back and survey all 30 years you know just to find out like have we done this joke before yeah it's a huge waste of time it's hard enough for us to keep in mind like just 17 years or whatever of the show let alone 30 yeah but eventually on this podcast we'll be like i've you've told that story oh we're at that point already yeah Yeah. Yeah. i've been podcasting for nine years i've told every story at least six times (laughs) no more like yeah yeah what else there's only so much time to cruise stories all my stories are now about podcasting (laughs) uh marge tries to convince Bart to let the lizards get killed. Look, Skinner, we haven't got all day. Kill the horrid beasts, then do away with their lizards. No, don't hurt them. I'll just keep them as pets. Uh, They might escape and breed. The law is very clear on this. They must be exterminated as quickly and gruesomely as possible. No, they're mine. I'm sure we can work this out. 
He's just a child. Let me talk to him. All right, I'll give you a moment. That'll give us time to prepare for the splatter. Bart, I'm sorry, but there's nothing we can do. Your lizards are banned by federal law. Everyone thinks they're monsters, but I raised them and I love them. I know that's hard to understand. Mm, not as hard as you think. <laughs> Run for it. Really? That's the little bit of the emotionality coming back at the end here of just mm. that. I do like the line that like Bart is now experiencing what, what Marge sort of felt yeah. before of thinking that Bart was a monster. It's, like that. it's different than Marge be not proud, at least. Yeah, at least it's a different beat. That's uh, So I, I appreciate that they tried to keep in the emotionality there with this, this last little scene here. And she knows what it's like to have everybody hate her children yeah. and want them yeah. dead. Yeah, <laughs> to, kill, to literally kill them. <laughs> I do like that Burns is outright says like let's kill the hard beast and then do away with their lizards. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that commandment. Yeah. That's the only reason he's there. Everybody has one line they're gonna say. He does get the looking through the binoculars the wrong way, like over yeah. there in the distance. <laughs> I, I do like that one. It's a fun shot of Bart like being Good warped by the perspective. On the warped yeah. Run. yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like when Skinner comes back out to discover that they've run away. That he says like, well, it's been exactly one moment. Yeah, Skinner <laughs> would know what that meant. That's a pretty. That yeah. could have been in any year of. The, any like episode <laughs> of the show that's a very classic that's great and then uh, Edna as the woman gets to shove Marge out of the way like she I assume that Edna joined it to try to have a mutual interest with Skinner that's why she's in the bird watching society they're doing activities together as a couple right? yeah it's, it's sweet <laughs> I've never you know uh, bird watching seems kind of fruitless I, I don't know I, I feel like you can't really do it in a city even really uh, I don't have to leave the home to bird watch it's great <laughs> just look over look oh, to my only, left slightly <laughs> you're only checking off one bird on your list though but what a bird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I also like that they all have safety goggles at the ready to put on to, for because they know there's going to be how much blood can really come from those two tiny lizards. I can't imagine unless they like put them in a blender. I can't imagine too much blood. They're jam packed. They're, uh, yeah, they're a big balloon waiting to go off. Prepare for the splatter is a good uh, line, too. <laughs> and they head up to the top of the roof. They fight over the box. Bart uh, somehow is overpowering a grown man in Skinner and holding on to the shoebox. They then split in the middle, and the lizards seemingly fall to their death. But then they open up their little gliding wings and fly, float down to safety. Uh, and there's a good line that, like, Skinner saying, I knew they had that, but I didn't. I hope they didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good line. In but the beginning, Bart has a moral quandary about whether to play with guns, but in mm. the end, the lizards had wings. <laughs> it's one yeah. of the, like, I, where are we? What's uh, that? It's weird how we got here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do also like that Skinner says, I said relinquish. Uh, that's a very nerdy Skinner thing there. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, the, the lizards get away. Skinner warns Bart, you don't know what hell you've unleashed. And we get to learn about that hell. Wow, did you know they had those wet flaps for gliding? Yes, but I was hoping they didn't know that. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy, Bart. You have no idea what kind of plague you've unleashed upon this town. Our top story, the population of parasitic tree lizards has exploded. And local citizens couldn't be happier. <laughs> it seems the rapacious reptiles have developed a taste for the common pigeon, also known as the feathered rat or gutter bird. 
For the first time, citizens need not fear harassment by flocks of chattering disease bags. So I guess you need the authoritative voice of Kent Brockman to buy uh, <laughs> this solution. Instead of setting up all the pigeons, they're just like, well, just have Kent say Take that Take my that's word for thing. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what if a man describes it instead of drawing lots and lots of... <laughs> but, that's a, but that is a good little turn of... And people couldn't be happier. Like, yeah. another Futurama... I didn't notice it until you said it. This does have a few Coney Lots of turns fun turns, yeah, yeah, in the dialogue. <laughs> and so much hate for pigeons. Like, that over-the-top hate for pigeons. I, I find them adorable. I like when they do their little dance when they're trying to impress ladies. They fan out their tail. They spin around. It's very cute. <laughs> uh, I think this uh, poisoned a generation on, on pigeons and made them all just think they're disgusting creatures. Like I, That's why we have this gun problem. People bought the guns initially for <laughs> pigeon killing, and then it got out of hand in other ways. I also like that in the world of Springfield, pigeons are disgusting to them. Rampant lizards running around. They're just like, oh, nice lizards. Hey, like no one's disgusted by lizards <laughs> yeah. crawling everywhere. When Bart is awarded the scented candle, there are like just lizards crawling around in the background. <laughs> Lisa pulls a lizard off her shoulder. Yeah. They're just so copious. <laughs> yeah. There's also a weird little moment where the lizards land and look at each other and kind of yeah. stick out their tongues. It's almost like they're some, like talking to each other by sticking out their tongues. Like the raptors in Jurassic World. (laughs) Blue Uh, communicating. Have you ridden the new Jurassic World ride yet? I'm going to do it yet. I know they just just quietly opened it. I, again, to go back to the wimpiness, I've only (laughs) been on Jurassic Park the ride once because I don't don't do the drops so much. I'm with you, yeah. It's the biggest, well, it was at the time when I rode it, the biggest drop on a water ride. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) Not not good for me. Splash Mountain, I feel like uh, it's, it's pushing it for me. I hate drops so much. I, yeah. I like a I like a single drop more than a bunch of jerking around. If you told me like ride the mummy f- at Hollywood, ride Hollywood mummy three times or ride mm. Jurassic Park three times, I'd do Jurassic Park. Like, it's just for me, it's like the anxiety knowing it's like one thing will happen, it's the drop, and you'll be thinking about it the entire time until it happens. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I and I still feel it. Like though I now go on Splash Mountain every once in a while, I still that the climb up that hill. Yeah. Like, Here it is. It's coming. It's happening. It's, well, it's a good. Ugh. Well, and presentationally in Splash Mountain, that's my favorite part of it is just the the buzzard talking to you of like, Br'er Rabbit's dead and it's coming for you next and things are about to get really bad. Like, they <laughs> yeah. ramp it up really good there. Yeah, right? which I realize is intentional. It is yeah. a good storytelling meant to, but like that that and this earnest thing, it's in my head. <laughs> and it took the literal, I, I not everyone's lucky enough to have this experience. They took the literal uh, designer of Splash Mountain telling me why, uh, motivating me to do it. Wow. Tony, Tony Baxter, wow. one of the greatest Imagineers of all time. And he gave me, he said like, well, yeah, it's going to be, you're going to be really stressed out for five minutes, but at the end, it's, you get a minute of pure pleasure. It's <laughs> the greatest feel. Uh, that the is, finale. And- I, I wasn't wanting to write it again. I wrote it once 15 years ago and then wrote it last month. Once in Orlando and, and then in uh, Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And when I wrote the Anaheim one, I was still, I was feeling my childhood stress again of like, oh, it's building, it's building. Yeah. But once you go to the laughing place, you're like, that's oh, true. Yeah. yeah, I feel awesome. It's like, worth it. it was... Jurassic Park doesn't give you that, though. It's just like, oh, I guess I got away from those dinosaurs. It's... You're not having fun afterwards. You the just... ride is over. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> the end is that you get to leave. Yeah. At least it doesn't uh, saw your log in half like the... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Scratchy. As, as a theme park nerd, even at the time, I was like, 
the logistics of this. Itchy and Scratchy Land has to replace <laughs> these logs <laughs> or reconnect them. Although, also, the, I, sorry, we got it in the episode, I know, but the, the <laughs> Dudley, the, the, there was a Dudley do right ride at Universal yes, Florida, yeah. and there was going to be a thing where there was a big spinning log, and your the log split in two. They, and then that, it went down two separate oh, flume paths, yes. kind of like the real life Itchy and Scratchy Land ride. I'll tell you where I'm t- too much of a wuss. I have never ridden that one. Like, I've never, I, I've only been once, and I decided not to do it. It was also raining a lot that day, so I was like, yeah. I don't want to get more wet. Like, it's a scary one, I'll tell you. <laughs> There's kind of like a second, it like hits a ramp and does a second drop. Popeye, meanwhile, is just all water. The Popeye ride, the uh, the yeah, yeah. get soaked upon, soaked upon. It's soaked. the soakiest ride ever. Bilge rat barges. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one uh, <laughs> when we've really, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> uh, but yes, the the end of this episode is two times in in succession. Lisa shits on the writing of this episode. Yeah, which yeah. I think this is the Rubicon I was talking about before. Everybody, this it's, is the Rubicon. It is kind of middle finger. Like, wait, what was? This about like who was going to learn the lesson they after this would do a lot more of these like this is more than let's say mo this is a character saying out loud this is bad writing or why would you do this thing and then a character shrugging like eh it feels like they know that people on the internet will complain that this is a cheap ending and they need to let the people on the internet know that Bart just shrugs and does not care. Mm. Like, yeah. But it also kind of alerted me to the problem, which I don't think <laughs> yeah. it really yeah. even occurred to you me. You wouldn't have even been crit- by them trying to cut off critics of the past they then alerted other people to be critical of stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean couldn't it have like taken care of another problem that isn't birds? a bird yeah that, that would have if it was not pigeons mm-hmm. instead of silencing pedants it created more <laughs> yeah i think it was more I, for me it, i think it's like they want it to be like anti-sitcom and that like oh the lesson bart learns is very contradictory and it, he's being a hypocrite it doesn't matter but they want you to buy in emotionally so you feel kind of betrayed mm-hmm. that there was an there were emotional beats in the story that ultimately was like fuck you there is no moral. There is no yeah. lesson. Bart learned nothing. <laughs> Which they do. There's another episode where they, they kind of determined there was no point. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it the sexual harassment one? Well, at Blood Feud, they say, like, it's an ending. Let's, oh, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Which, uh, but that, why is that more charming? I guess it was the, the rest of it's Oh, actually, more... no. The one where Marge said, it's an ending. Let's leave it it's at that. Ending. That was Bobo. That was the... Yeah. Burns just takes Bobo. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But in, also, uh, in the head one, they were she was trying to find the moral. And maybe and, the moral, sorry, is. Yeah, yeah. And people were, like, shutting her down, like, no, that's not it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess in, you know, in Golden Age episodes, they did the same thing. Yeah, but so. I mean, I guess they did it first back then. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Uh, but yes, let's let's hear the uh, the last clip here. For decimating our pigeon population and making Springfield a less oppressive place to while away our worthless lives, <laughs> I present you with this scented candle. Yeah! Yeah! Well, I was wrong. The lizards are a godsend. But isn't that a bit short-sighted? What happens when we're overrun by lizards? No problem. We simply unleash wave after wave of Chinese needle snakes. They'll wipe out the lizards. But aren't the snakes even worse? Yes, but we're prepared for that. We've lined up a fabulous type of gorilla that thrives on snake meat. But then we're stuck with gorillas. No, that's the beautiful part. When wintertime rolls around, the gorillas simply freeze to death. (laughs) (laughs) I'm proud of you, boy. Loganberry. I don't get it, Bart. You got all upset when you killed one bird, but now you've killed tens of thousands and it doesn't bother you at all. Hey, you're right. 
I called the front seat. You had it on the way over. Hey. <laughs> that music choice, too. Yeah. Over. Yeah. It's uh, that that's a real F you as well. Yeah, it wasn't I mean it wasn't super gory. It is cartoony. The pit just kind of disappears in the cloud of lizards and there's no like sound effects of it screaming or anything. But yeah. then in loving memory of Phil Hartman. Still, yeah, that's yeah. an odd juxtaposition and that's well, you know, that, that, deep season ten. There was so. no way they could fix that. And like they didn't intend for there to be an in memoriam when they wrote that joke. And I at that point they're kind of stuck with it. it. You know, probably if this was live action, they'd just rewrite all, they'd have done a full episode. Just like news radio did, but yeah, they're kind of just stuck with what they made. But he's not Troy and uh, Lionel are not crucial to the world of the yeah. Simpsons, and in fact, have only uh, harmed them and uh, made <laughs> yeah. their lives worse. So I uh, can't say goodbye to them in a loving way. <laughs> this was uh, as a kid when I learned of the existence of Logan Berry. Uh, we were not. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom never bought Logan Berry at the grocery store or whatever. It, uh, I, there's there's an interesting history to it, though. It, it was accidentally created uh, by a, a horticulturalist in 1881, James Harvey Logan. Oh, uh, I see where he's going with this. Uh, He accidentally crossbred a raspberry and a blackberry to create the Loganberry. It's it's a good joke that Homer knows it's a Loganberry based on the scent. A very kind of obscure berry. Also, the the candle is just a rando joke. I think it was them realizing like, we've done a lot of ones where the mayor gives them something. Let's how about a scented candle? Like, uh, that's that's weird. It's a good cheap <laughs> gift. Yes. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. yeah. I had a, an acquaintance who worked at a Yankee candle, and she said it, like, destroyed her nose. Like, there was just her, her scent of, a sense of smell was uh, hurt for a long time afterwards, which that's a lot to sacrifice for a minimum wage job. But, uh, <laughs> think, for not being able to smell. Yeah. I visited my dead local mall when I was visiting home about a month ago, and, like, the stink radius around the Bath and Body Works was a good, like, 500 <laughs> yards. Oh. Like you could smell it approach as you approach it. Like as as it gets as you get closer and closer, just so intense. <laughs> I don't know how anyone could work in there. It's it's disgusting. Oh, and also Loganberry is somewhat associated with British sailors because mm. of its high vitamin C content content, it replaced limes as the thing that the sailors would eat to fight off scurvy. Though they still call them limey instead of like Loganese or whatever. <laughs> I'm learning so much about Loganberries that I'll soon forget. <laughs> uh, but I guess I guess we did give our final thoughts on this episode before the final clip. Yeah, but uh, yeah. Scott is been with us for almost three hours. I, yeah, boy. It's been, <laughs> thank, thank you for... You. Uh, this is what happens. Yeah. I tie to... Look, our podcast is, goes very long. I don't... Are we... Is this your longest episode? Oh, no, 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 it's not. Okay, thank <laughs> no. God. I just never want to be the longest. No, no. And then, uh, I'm yeah. glad you also fall into the long podcast trap. You're not yes. like, I've been here for how long? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, hey, I like to talk. I like to talk about Phil Hartman, and this was a pleasure. I've uh, no, enjoyed it very much. Yeah. Thank well, you so uh, much, Scott. So yeah. we'll do our plugs once you are out of the uh, L.A. studio and fabulous Hollywood, but uh, please tell us where we can find you, what you're working on. All You've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, if you enjoyed this and want similarly lengthy podcast content, then check out Podcast The Ride, where mm. Mike Carlson, Jason Sheridan, and I say all of the uh, far too much minutia that we know about the world <laughs> of uh, of theme parks. And uh, uh, we're, hey, we're coming up on a big event. We did something. We, we went to every single store in, uh, in, in Universal City Walk, which I Ooh. hope you check out while you're in town oh. if you haven't. One of the finest 
breakfast shopping and uh, uh, indoor water cough and uh, massage parlors uh, experiences you could ever want to have. But anyway, we're coming up on a new thing uh, very soon uh, where we're going to every single place in downtown Disney. We're oh, we're, uh, we're calling it the downtown Disney ordeal. So if uh, uh, if that sounds like good torture to you, the listener, then uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, otherwise, my my website scottgardner.com where you can watch sketches that I've done for Funny or Die or for the the show hosted by former Simpsons writer Conan O'Brien. <laughs> Conan yeah. is the name of the show and I worked there and made some fun videos there and uh, and if you want to see my animated show Moonbeam City uh, there is no way I respect Viacom's uh, copyright laws and do not DM me on Twitter at Scott Gardner because I have no way of getting around these copyright laws and sending you a link so don't don't you dare and uh, totally um, would do that. Yeah. And, uh, there were no bootlegs in the trunk of his car by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm not shock full of self-printed Moonbeam City DVDs. Uh, well, yeah, and your podcast is Patreon-supported just like ours. Oh, I, yeah. I, I wanted to compliment the podcast where I Patreon had um, another. My One of my favorites was The Green Goblin on David oh, Letterman yeah. is one of the yeah. greatest we, moments. Well, 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 a <laughs> yes. fan of me, are you? Um, oh, I didn't realize you were so sinister. <laughs> we did watch the clip last night and the yeah. Comedy Bang Bang parody of yes, it yeah. with Thomas oh, Lennon. Yeah, yeah. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's the kind of thing on the on our Patreon, we did not. It's not a review of Spider-Man: Turn Off the Dark. It's a review of when the Green Goblin performed on the David Letterman show and burst in through the back of the theater and then uh, uh, and uh, invaded the Letterman stage. <laughs> so stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. If you like, if hey, if you like uh, this, uh, all all your guys' minutia, you probably like our minutia. So, <laughs> thanks for letting me talk minutia with oh, yeah. uh, with, with oh. y'all. What, what fun! Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So thanks again to Scott Gardner. Please check out his podcast, Podcast the Ride, and Moonbeam City, wherever you can find it. You heard what he said. But <laughs> as for us, you can find us on the internet at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. If you sign up today at the $5 level, you can get every podcast of Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon one week ahead of time and ad-free. And at that $5 level, we also have a ton of other podcasts, including our mini-series. And our most recent one was Talking of the Hill, a first-season exploration of King of the Hill. And we will have a new mini-series debuting in the fall that is only for $5 dollar patrons. Henry, what is happening at the $10 level for patrons? For the extra premium level patrons who go up to 10 bucks a month, they get access to our monthly What a Cartoon Movie podcast where we give the Talking Simpsons style approach to a different animated feature film once a month going up to four hours long in our conversations about classic animated films. This month you can hear Beavis and Butthead do America if you sign up right now and you'll get to hear the August one too, which will be decided by our wonderful patrons. That support one more time at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. And we thank you for all that because it makes it possible for us to go to Los Angeles and record with cool guests in person like Scott. So again, that is patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. Check it out. As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. Find me on Twitter as Bob Servo. My other podcast is Retronauts. It's a classic gaming podcast. Every Monday, occasionally on Friday, go to retronauts.com or look for Retronauts in your podcast machine. You'll find it. Please subscribe to it. I think you'll like it. Henry, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. You'll get all your Henry Gilbert updates, cool pictures of when I go on trips like this, and most importantly, every time a new podcast goes up on the free feed or the Patreon. I'm sure to tweet it out so you'll learn about it too. Stay in the know by following me at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week for Treehouse of Horror 9, and we'll see you then. 
Stand back and watch the pro. Uh, shouldn't you put on a batting helmet? Nah, they messed up my hair. Ball two. This bozo's gonna walk me. Hey! You're going down, you... Go! Go! You bug! Hey, you thank you! You better go! I'm gonna go! If you do go! Hang in there, Dad. Just half a basket left. Wow, you sure get a lot of balls for a quarter. <laughs>